0: Welcome back to another Union of the Unwanted. Ricky, take it away. What's up, everybody? Another Union of the Unwanted episode.
1: This one's kind of like a union reunion, because we we actually have a bunch of old friends from uh, past episodes that we kind of gathered together, and some some new friends. Uh, Dr. James Lyons-Wheeler, Craig Salmon-Sawyer. We have Shane. Oh, I, I'm going to mess up the, the name of the podcast. I know you just changed it recently, the Black Pill Podcast, and, and Ken. And, uh, and then we have some old friends. So it's going to be a fun show. I was going to... We were planning on doing just a, a reunion of a bunch of old friends from the show. But because this platform is so powerful and, and it's so important, I figured I had... Recently, I had two really good, great guests with really personal, important stories that I figured we could use this platform to kind of you know expand on their stories, ask questions, and, and use this platform to kind of spread the word. Uh, we have Craig Solomon Sawyer. He is... Uh, well, I'll let him know, uh, tell you, tell us who he is and what he does. And then also James Lyons Wheeler. So we'll go, we'll go into that and then kind of let them introduce themselves. And then you guys are more than happy to kind of expand from there. I'm sure this conversation will go everywhere and anywhere, but, uh, I'd love to kind of get you guys to tell your story and then everybody else can kind of ask questions and, and we can expand on the conversations and topics that your story involve. So I don't know who wants to go first. I, Craig, you want to, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, I'll jump in. Well, I'm a who am I? I'm a busted up veteran with a broken heart for children. I uh, I spent a lot of time in the Marine Corps, SEAL Team uh, DEVGRU, and then I did five years of federal law enforcement. And then after that, I did high threat mobile security over in the war zones. And in that capacity, I was wearing these different hats, guys. I was I was working with generals and admirals and station chiefs and uh, diplomats and and. You know, in the intelligence community, diplomatic community, counterterrorism community, and I met a lot of very powerful people, uh, some really, really great quality patriots and uh, others, you know, kind of sketchy. But um, I, I aligned myself with the, the better people along the way, because later on, about six years ago, when I learned how bad child sex trafficking actually is in the United States, I, I realized I, I can't deploy anywhere else around the world and try to fight any other wars against you know bad guys that may one day come here when we have predators stalking and hunting and destroying our children to the tune of a 38 to 50 billion dollar a year criminal enterprise right here in the United States. That was a wake-up call to me. It's like somebody kicked me in the Jimmy so to speak and uh, I wasn't okay looking away from it. And so I founded Veterans for Child Rescue. A nonprofit organization specifically to ruin the enemy's dom- domestic covert operation, which is child sex trafficking, and rip the lid off of it and expose it. And the biggest exposure piece I could come up with was Controland, a documentary. And I hope you guys will watch it. It's free at Controlandmovie.com, and it's about to go up on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's already been to- aired to 90 million households on uh, Daystar Network. So. I'm just trying to ruin the enemy's operation, guys, exposing it. And we're also running joint operations with federal and local law enforcement arresting the predators. We've gotten 23 predator arrests and convictions so far with uh, arrests and warrants so far with a 100% conviction rate. So our direct action operations are effective and our exposure is is ramping up. So that's that's kind of who I am and what I'm doing. And it's all about wrecking the, the the kingpin actually the 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 centerpiece of this globalist cabal this evil evil rancid cabal's uh power base that's destroying our country destroying our freedom and liberty our truth our freedom of speech everything they all have a foot in that child trafficking and pedophilia cesspool and so i'm pulling on that thread for all i'm worth to watch their whole sweater just come falling apart so that's me yeah.
1: Yeah, I think this is a really important topic because especially after the election, a lot of people started... During the Epstein story, people started taking the whole child trafficking thing a little more serious. And then they started relating it to Q and kind of just calling it like, oh, everybody just thinks everybody's a pedophile and really kind of minimizing how important of a topic this really is. I'm glad Memory Hole made it tonight because he's another guy who's gone down this rabbit hole and done a lot of research on this. Appreciate it. And and so, James, you... so, Doctor James Lyons Wheeler is a part of something that also is is very important. He was a part of a vaxxed first unvaxxed children study, and if you want to get into a little bit of that and how important that study is and what happened once you published the study and, and got it out to the public.
3: Yeah, sure. So, you know, Craig, hats off to you, man, and uh, memory hold. This is uh, this is why I'm in the business that I'm in.
4: <clears throat>
3: I run a not-for-profit called IPAC. It's the Institute for Peer and Applied Knowledge. We do biomedical research in the public interest. We don't take any money from the government. We don't take any money from foundations. We don't take any money from anybody but people that can barely afford to donate. So that uh, if you look at my publication record, you know, I'm a lifelong scholar. Uh, just call me Dr. Jack, okay? This whole Dr. James Lyons-Weiler thing, nobody's going to remember that. So just call me Dr. Jack. Um I love objectivity and research and I love children and I have two boys and as uh, I slowly came to be aware that the science behind vaccines was not founded on anything that's recognizable as objective science. I couldn't turn my back either. The kids being injected with thimerosal thimerosal inhibits proteins that you need to properly fold other proteins so you can remember what you're immune to, right? There's studies out there that show that if you get the flu shot that has got thimerosal, you're more likely to have non-influenza respiratory virus infections. That's crazy, right? How many times have you heard people say, I got the flu shot, and then right after it, oh my god, I got the worst flu I ever had, right? So long story short, I ended up doing a study, among other studies, I mean, we focus on the clearance and accumulation rates of aluminum in children. One of our studies showed that kids in the first year of life are in aluminum toxicity 100% of their days. Uh, I've published three independent studies on that topic. So there's three independent peer reviewers each time, right? And so the vaccine chills, are going to come out and they're going to say, oh, yeah, but he's an ecologist or, oh, yeah, what does he know? You know, go go after me instead of the actual address the topics of the study. So I, I was tasked with, uh, had the opportunity to analyze data from Dr. Paul Thomas's practice out in Oregon. Um, there's 2,400 kids that vaccinate and 561 that didn't. So this was a treasure trove of data you can't find a data set this size to do facts, compare health outcomes, and we found all kinds of things, all kinds of things associated with vaccines, uh, allergic rhinitis. Uh, uh, there's just so many. We we found asthma, anemia because the aluminum in the vaccines bind to a protein that's the your that that, that your dietary iron is supposed to bind to. Okay. Um, no ADHD, zero ADHD in the 561 unvaccinated kids. Okay. So I've got a couple of targets on my back and I feel like I'm a good company here, but first raise your hand if you're controlled
2: opposition, because I don't hang with you guys.
1: Yeah. So he, he was a part, just to kind of uh, a brief description, Dr. Paul, Thomas was a pediatrician who basically was open to vaccinating and unvaccinated children. He was, if you didn't want to vaccinate your kids, it was fine. If you did, he was okay with that. So it was a perfect place to do this type of study. As he said, it was a lot of children were involved in this. So they had a very good understanding of health risks and, and possible issues that the vaccinated children were having that the unvaccinated weren't having. And they even had, partially vaccinated children so they really did a really thorough study but uh, so let's open the floor up any of you guys who uh, want to ask either Craig Sa- Solomon Sawyer who uh, his uh, and I can't stress it enough please check out his documentary Contraland it goes into his nonprofit organization and them obviously uh, going deep into the child trafficking scandal and business but it also goes into some of the history of it which i think is really important too and how we got here so I, I think that's really fascinating but and you guys want to ask either one of them a question or ask anybody else on the call a question
5: ricky i just want to start by um, saying hello and welcome to everybody that is listening to us on the fringe fm we are being simulcast there live as well thank you to joe Roop and everybody over at fringe for allowing us to be a part of that
6: i wanted to say something um i just spent my weekend craig with uh jim caviezel screening i'm I'm, like still in tears after watching his movie that uh he's having a hard time getting distribution for uh the sound of freedom i have never this movie went so deep your documentary is amazing this was a movie like a, a actual it's not a documentary but i have never seen uh child trafficking portrayed so real and so disturbing. And Hollywood won't doesn't want anything to do with this project. And the movie is amazing. But I mean, what it shows the whole thing it even uh I am sure you know the story of Jim Ballard. But this goes into like the whole island thing and uh, the shipping containers with the kids. And I mean, this is so heartbreaking. And then to hear Jim talk after about it, about the backlash he's getting, Uh, an amazing actor who like played Jesus for God's sakes, but nobody wants to touch this movie. Obviously we all know why Uh, they, and then we all sat around after coming up with like ways to make this story digestible, because they all seem to believe that this this is coming, that there will be a disclosure and these people are going to go away. I mean, we've all been waiting for it and hoping for it. But after watching this movie, Craig, I don't know how you do this and you're such a hero. But I mean, they portrayed it so amazing and everyone should see it when they do get distribution. But, you know, there's some real big players involved and uh, Hollywood wants nothing to do with this. It's called The Sound of Freedom and it's uh, really hard to watch but really important for everyone to see.
2: Yeah, he's an incredible actor and the the, the topic bringing this to the populace is like, uh, you know, being the messenger to tell people they have cancer. I mean, people don't want to know this, it's a repulsive, despicable topic. I wake up both with dread and with with joy every morning. Okay. I wake up in a hurry because it's a privilege to fight for the little ones, and with disgust at what I'm going to face and what I'm going to hear. You know, I, I'm a dev group operator, still Team Six. Uh, I've been. You know, I'm decorated for different things in, in combat, and I've been to 60 countries around the world and lived in war zones for years. And uh, I've seen a lot, and I've been through a lot. And I'm, I'm pretty hard in a lot of ways, man, but I just have this wide-open soft spot for the children. And it it's like getting kicked between the legs every single time I I hear one of these stories, you know, when somebody explains to me what they were put through, or what they had to watch their brother and sister being put through, or the kids that they were with and just, uh, you know, parents' stories of what was done to their children and just on and on and on. It's it's evil, man. So, yeah, as despicable and disgusting as it is, uh, you know, it, it'd be worse to turn away from it. I don't see how anybody in good faith that has the ability to do anything, even just raise their voice, could turn away knowing that the children are suffering. And that it's reached uh, an industrial scale, and you know not to get too spiritual on a podcast like this, but uh, you know we like to say God bless the USA, but how could He bless an industrial scale torture and murder of our most precious and innocent little ones? He can't bless that, nor should He. How could anyone expect Him to bless the United States that's that's running a thirty-eight to fifty billion dollar a year criminal enterprise? selling and destroying children so
3: um craig i have a question i was just talking with grace my fiance. i said if i wasn't doing the vaccine thing i'd be going after that very issue you're talking about child trafficking and and uh, so here's the question the thought that occurred to me because i'm a i'm a i'm a solutions guy is there a program to train the victims so they can then go back and bust be part of the team to go back and bust the
4: the trafficker's
2: there are a lot of programs you know first someone really needs to heal before they can t- help others and so there's there's a huge void in aftercare quality aftercare and the ones that i've seen uh, and and i'm just i have to be honest and straight here the ones that i've seen that bring genuine healing always involve jesus christ it just ends up being the ones that are that are working through, and it takes about 18 to 24 months of legitimate therapy. Uh, but those are the ones that bring about actual healing where people can get this behind them and be productive and and happy in their lives and uh, and not have it just eat them up. But after that, yeah, I mean, we use them in our operations. We run joint sting operations and we use victims, and, and uh, including our own daughter, uh, served as a junior decoy agent. She helped bring down nine predators and uh one three-day operation so it's good for them to do that you know but i think they have to be ready it takes a a lot of strength inner strength to, to face down these these predators but uh no it's a fascinating thing and it's 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 fantastic for them to be able to do you know But i would just always caution that they get they get kind of past it and get some some genuine counseling and therapy and healing first but uh there are there are programs out there but i would invite more i mean We've got sports in this country, you know, a lot of them kneeling through our national anthem and sacred, you know, uh, a- anthems and kneeling, burning our flag and everything else. And uh, I would like to see a sport made out of chasing down these predators. And so that uh, that's no longer a thing, man. That's a sport I could get behind is, is people making our kids safe again. You know what I mean? So I, I welcome any genuine program that's, that's careful and effective at bringing that about.
1: Well, I know I was going to say, J- Jason, you've done some some work a- on this topic with some of the the Colts and then some of the other uh, stuff so I- I'd love to get your intake and memory holds intake. just how hard it is just to research this stuff.
7: Well, I mean, I've been researching this stuff for over fifteen years, right when you when you come across, for instance, the Franklin scandal and you know the the real connections uh, to political elites on both sides of the spectrum, you know that involved a lot of Republicans, but if you remember. Barney Frank is running a uh, callboy ring outside of uh, his DC home with a guy named Gottlieb. It's connected to Chevy Chase Elementary School. You know, the finders documents were out there then. And, you know, I've been vocal about this for a very long do- time. Everything from Sandusky to Hassert being a serial pedophile, labeled a serial pedophile as a judge from his time as a, uh, a gym teacher and a wrestling coach. You think he stopped as he became uh, the longest serving Republican speaker of the house? You know, Weiner's not in jail. Uh, Mark Foley, all these examples are out there. Ed Murray, Seattle mayor. Uh, so many times these high level political figures are involved in this. And then, you know, you do have the turds that spoil the punch bowl. You know, this movement of, you know, the underground ground encampments of uh, kids and, Tom Hanks is a pedophile, and this person's a pedophile with no real evidence. So, I guess my question to uh, Craig is: How do you sift through all that disinformation that's gone viral on the internet, and people sincerely believe, and let them know what the realities actually are, and the documented cases that we have actually are? Is that something that you delve into in this picture?
2: We and and to a degree we. We delve into that in Contraland. Contraland is kind of an our initial shot across the bow, to use a navy a nautical uh, reference. Um, kind of a we're we're on the scene now and we're coming. How do you like us so far? But uh, we we talk about Epstein. We talk about the origins of pedophilia in the United States and where that came from, and how do we sift through it? Well. Uh, i spoke uh, briefly on my time in the intelligence community diplomatic community i brought in some guys that you'll see in contra land major players i mean major players in our national security realm who have solved major national security crises for our presidents going back five generations or five decades now so um you know some of them not not young men anymore but but legends in our national security space so They work for just about every agency we've got people stacked on our board admirals generals and i mean we we've uh, you know because i've rubbed elbows a lot of these people they're my close personal friends they're the ones that i'm on the phone with at night and texting throughout the day so i asked them and we've we've also brought on 23 criminal investigators and 30 analysts from every agency and done further background checks on them after they've retired from those agencies and are in our investigations program. So we've got a big pool of, uh, of talent and I'm in the American Industrial Compact. And uh, it's, a, it's a group of huge brains that create a lot of the intellectual property that run our intelligence community and our national security, our, our Department of Defense. And quite honestly, I have no business being in that group other than they like me and they welcomed me in because I run Vets for Child Rescue and they like what I do. So, but these guys are all geniuses and they're sick of their intellectual property going straight to China guys. They're sick of it. They're like, why would we submit this to uncle Sam anymore? If it's going to go straight to China, same day. And, uh, but they're saying, Craig, we will allow a lot of our intellectual property. A lot of our tech to go to you and your org so that you can use it to break major child trafficking rings in our country. And I'm like, Oh, let's giddy up then. Let's go to work. So I've got access to those guys and uh, it's not because I'm cool or anything special. It's just because I think I've gotten fortunate and just kept my nose clean and tried in good faith to do as good as I can. And, and quite frankly, I think God's blessing it and having mercy on me and letting some good things happen. And man, we're building this machine and I mean to eradicate child trafficking in the, in the United States. And, and, I know that sounds ambitious, but if you realize I'm out to change the culture, right? You know, people, when I was a small boy, I used to drive around, you know, in Southern Texas, drinking a beer. Hey, how y'all doing? Drinking a beer and no seatbelt. You know, those things have changed, you know, largely the culture has changed due to that. We've changed other things that, that we do smarter now and better. And why can't we stop destroying our own offspring and make that a part of our cultural change? So that's, that's what I'm out to do. And um, it's, uh, those are the contexts that allow me to kind of sort through it. Plus my background as a federal criminal investigator, I go by facts and it's very dangerous on the internet. You could find every manner of accusation. I mean, if you typed in my name right now, you'd probably think I was Charles Manson himself because um, the, the the child predators and the psychopaths out there that live and survive by clickbait you know, they'll say, you know, Jason Burmes is a is an alien child eater and he's, you know, he's, he eats puppies every morning for breakfast. And if they self-publish and they call themselves a, an award-winning journalist, they'll have thousands of people that follow him and go, oh, my God, Jason, I didn't realize that you were that. I had to stop supporting him. You. You'd be like, you, why don't you people research and vet your sources? you know so there's a lot of that out there so we try to not ever overstep you know i'd rather go a little bit slower but methodical and careful like a like a dozer right every time you go, move a foot forward you ain't going backwards cuz it's you're on solid ground and it's for good reason so that's what i try to do and just um you know bounce it off all the intel and say hey what's the deal with this guy let's run background checks let's let's run this story to ground do we know that this is true? Yep, okay, let's expose it and let's move on it. Let's investigate, see if we can bring prosecutions and real um, meaningful convictions on it. What's something that, uh, because I mean, for, for general people, maybe, maybe researching it or talking about it is too much, but a lot of the people listening are parents and have kids at home. What's something in your experience that parents can be doing to make sure this doesn't happen to people they love? Get into your kids' phones, parents, for, for the love of God. <laughs> Get into their phones and throw off this burden that you're, that you're not going to be their friend and that you're not going to be popular. Look, they, you can be their friend for the rest of their life. They've only got about 18 years for you to be their parent, and they need you to be their parent. They need you to invade their privacy. It's not being unkind. It's being kind and merciful because in this phone are apps like TikTok, and others that the child's just playing a, a game. Look, I'm going to put bunny ears on myself and goggles, and isn't this cute? Ha 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 ha. And their friend that they're talking to is really a 50 year old creepy, fat, bald dude uh, down the road who can geolocate your child and figure out what room of your house your child is pinging from right on his phone. He's like, Oh, I see exactly where this child is. I can wait out front. The child goes to. Take out the garbage or something, I can get them. Or if they, if they get them to go to the school bus, I can get them. Uh, they, they can um, facially recognize the child. They can facial recognition. They can surreptitiously video the children. Uh, they can pretend to be, let's say, your, your child is a boy and he's about the age where he's starting to like girls. Right about that age. Maybe he's 13, right? 13, 14. Predators like to pretend to be. Um, attractive young ladies. Oh, here's, here's one scenario. Oh, I just got to your school. I saw you in the classroom today. She's writing him online, right on, on an app and shows a beautiful picture of a young lady. He's like, wow, she's cute. You know, and she's paying attention to me, I saw you in the hallway. I really think you're cute. Uh, you want to be my friend, you know, let's, and so she starts up a long chat with him. He believes that they're becoming friends. And then she starts showing him more and more scantily clad pictures and he's getting excited about that because he's a young man. He doesn't know what he's doing yet, like like all of us. None of us did, <laughs> you know. Think back at some point, you didn't have a clue, guys, right? And so there he is. He's interacting with this this girl, but he's acting actually interacting with a fifty year old predator mind who's manipulating him and painting him into a corner. Now, now I've shown you something. Show me a little something. So God help him if he does, because now it's checkmate. They got him. The predator's already sending that all over the internet. He's asking for more, asking for video. And if the boy doesn't give it, predator can say, and predator doesn't have to um, reveal that he's a predator yet. He can still be pretending to be just a mean girl saying, hey, if you don't give me what I want, video, I'm going to show your parents. I'm going to put it on the chat room at the school. I'm going to blow it, blast it up to millions of people on the internet. Your name's going to be toast. Yeah, I, so They so- kill themselves over this. They commit yeah. suicide because they don't think that they can get out of it. And they're ashamed their parents, and they're so embarrassed. They're so – their minds are not developed yet. They don't know how to navigate these things, and it's tragic. So take your – and I'm not trying to cut you off, brother. I'm about to shut up. Um, take your children's phones, plug them into your um, master bedroom at night to recharge. That's a lot of time when they get into trouble there. So yeah. take it away from them at night. Make sure they're safe that way. So, But the phone's a big one.
8: Yeah, Craig, I really uh, am happy that you brought up the social media aspect. That's something that is so underrated and that parents need to really get a handle on. I mean, uh, now, immediately. Uh, I set out to do some research regarding social media and the prevalence of child pornography within it, but more specifically how it is that they disseminate this, this material, but also lure in uh, the children, both girls and boys, and it's a, a mixture of code language. Um, it's a mixture of, you know, download links. There's hidden download links on, on Instagram specifically is, is one of the major purveyors of child pornography today. And that's one thing that people don't think exists because they expect to just bump into it on accident, right? But it's not exactly like that. If you uh, do not know exactly how to find it and how these individuals are operating on social media and communicating with each other, you won't find it. However, when you do find it, you realize just how prevalent child pornography and the distribution of it is. But more specifically, I'd like to link that to the individuals on the dark web. They are organizing on the dark web. I have uh, been sent information from people that have found forums there that are specifically designed to use strategies. They're discussing strategies on in ways to... Uh, obtain and abuse children via social media. And as you said, Craig, it goes through blackmail. I'm gonna tell your parents if you don't do X, Y, and Z. Social pressure, they're very prone to peer pressure at that age, depending, you know, just any young child is. And particularly the modeling agencies, it's very easy to set up these fake shell companies, so to speak. They might not even be actual on paper companies, but you can make it look very legitimate to even fool a not so internet savvy parent into thinking that it is legitimate and uh, that's one way to bring them in. I had no idea. And when you said earlier, it was the industrial scale of this. I I, I set out originally, um, not so much to disprove this, but almost to set my worries at ease, like it can't be that bad, can it? And uh, it's actually far worse than I'd ever imagined um, you'd you think it's like stranger danger, right? That's how I was taught in elementary school, right? This car slows down, they're following you on the way home. Don't talk to strangers. It's not like that at all. These are institutions. These are suits and ties. These are nine to five jobs. Um, and, and people really need to understand that it's, it's everywhere, uh, particularly though, social media. And uh, there's peer pressure for children to be active on social media. There's peer pressure to be provocative on social media, just like your friends at school. And there's going to be some level of social shaming and pressure that's put on a child that doesn't engage in that type of behavior. But a reasonable parent needs to really educate themselves on the aspects of social media and even games. Roblox, for instance, any any medium of communication, particularly anything that features direct messages, needs to really be nailed down immediately by parents and, um, you know, I've told that to the parents I know in my life, especially new ones. Many of them are luckily already privy to this, but I'm just really glad you brought up the social media angle of this. I think people really underestimate it. But what sealed the deal to me was witnessing a conversation between these individuals myself discussing strategies of blackmail and and how to how to obtain uh, the most horrific things you can imagine on Instagram, something that. People think surely they, they ban all of that. There's no way that can that can exist. Well I'll I'll give you a give you a piece of advice. Try to report these people to Instagram and see what happens. They won't be removed and they never are. I wish it were different. But
9: it's can the I way ask it you a is. question about the organization. So to the extent that there's coordination, conversation, do you feel like they're competing entities? Like what's the scale? Is there is it kind of like everything flows to the top and it's international? Or how would you describe kind of the industry? Because it's an industry, right? It's for money.
8: I Yeah, I would think it's an industry. Would it, would, you, Craig, you would probably know a little bit more about this. I think it can split multiple ways um, in terms of going all the way up to the top. But then there's, there's some other little fish that aren't so little fish down below as well. But what are your thoughts on that, Craig? I think you might have a little bit more knowledge on that side of things.
2: Well, you've got the global the, the, the literally the most wealthy and powerful on earth, the ones that move $500 trillion around the globe from central bank to central bank and fund both sides of every war. Those cats, those families seem to be very heavily involved in it. And a lot of their colleagues and friends and even family members going to Jeffrey Epstein's island with, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell and those types. So there's you have the elite involved in it. But you've also got a lower level below that which is uh, political officials and you've got a lot of intelligence operations. We call them brownstoning operations in the intelligence community, but it's essentially it's a type of blackmail. You you trick them into, you know, at parties, it used to be hookers and blow, you know, all these these uh, rock stars and politicians wanted to to have their their fun. And then it uh, it got to where in order to blackmail a, a politician in the U.S., it had to be a homosexual affair because, you know, just catching him with a lady. Nobody had cared anymore. Our, our morality had gotten eroded uh, on the on the whole to the point to where people didn't care about just a lady it had to be a homosexual. And then it got to where it's got to be a child so that's what they're doing that's the game it's all about power and for for some and it's the the intelligence community doing that a lot of countries are involved in it so you've got that next level down then you've got levels like uh the mexican drug cartel they're trafficking children because where they used to could you know if they sell a kilo of cocaine they can sell it exactly once and it's consumed there's no recovery unless they keep kill somebody and (laughs) You know, before they can consume it and sell it again. But a child, tra- tragically, they can sell a child, you know, up to like 30 times a day. It's just absolutely demonic what they do. And I- organ harvesting and all that. Then below that, there's the gangbangers, the MS-13, Crips and Bloods that used to not get along. They will cooperate now to, to traffic children through their AO uh, while the, the, the overlords, if you will, or the Mexican drug cartels. Oversee that on a national scale. So regionally, it's more Crips and Bloods and MS-13, but nationally, it's it's bigger organizations like that. So there are multiple angles angles and layers of it, and it is very much an international problem. But it is Do you feel hot like the US, uh,
9: it hits both parties because I remember the first time I ever heard any of this stuff was Franklin cover up and like the dossiers in England that came out of the Margaret Thatcher era. And that seemed to be, I, I, I didn't never thought of myself as having a uh, really being partisan, but I was surprised that it was that that stuff was on the right. And then the more recent stuff you hear is strictly on the left. And I just wonder if, if it does actually swing like that, or if you just, it, it covers both, well, it, it's above it, ideology.
2: It, well, it, you know what? Evil can manifest itself through the heart of any human being, man or woman and we see people that ruin children uh, of all types you cannot look at them and tell that's a creeper that's a creeper that's a pedophile uh, we arrest federal agents we arrest church elders we arrest uh, army recruiters active duty we are, uh, illegal aliens i mean we get it all it's just you cannot call it and so it's it's not a political thing it is sadly it is Rampant in both parties. The difference between the left and the right is the left don't even pretend to be against raping children. They they're the ones literally submitting legislation to normalize it. Oh, rape children? That's cool. Yeah, let's make let's lower the age limit. In fact, you can rape them earlier and earlier. Let's let's do that. That's cool. Whereas on the right, they're betraying their faith, their ethical and moral standards that they claim to be upholding. They're betraying everyone that voted for them, and they're just complete frauds and sellouts and that i think that's the bigger tragedy you know i don't know what could be worse than ruining children's lives other than pretending to be pious or pretending to be righteous or conservative and having strong and decent moral values and and being a follower of jesus christ and and doing this evil right i think that's just that that's even in my mind even even a couple steps worse. so i think god's going to punish them even more harshly because they are ruining a lot of innocent people's faith by watching them uh, conduct themselves that way and and be such liars. So,
5: no, it's it's everywhere.
2: I'd like to add one uh, one thing
5: really quick, that there's also uh, the military-industrial complex component of this as well. Remember that DynCorp has been busted running kids out of the former Yugoslavia. So this is... um, you know, using NATO bases and things like that. So when you, when they say global, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I just
6: did a thing on um, Myanmar and uh, what's going on over there. And I know, you know, maybe people don't want to put together the dots, but like you're saying, Charlie, about the military industrial complex, the truth is it's the same players. It's yeah. the same 10 people at the very, very top, and it's the, and I'm sorry to say this, I, I know maybe people don't wanna think about it, but they go into these countries, the Clinton Global Initiative, the, uh, the all the open societies, these NGOs, they go in under humanitarian, like guise of humanitarian, they build ports, they wire them up, Inqtel gets involved, they put in all of their telecom and all of that, all these islands in the Caribbean are involved in it. And next thing you know, They're number one on the child trafficking list and human trafficking list and organ trafficking list. And if people are going to say that those dots don't connect, then they're not doing the research. It's impossible not to connect these people. And then there's the whole next thing with our embassies are all too. It's a $150 billion business. It's replaced oil as the most lucrative commodity to these people. And they really don't look at us as, as equals or humans. And they especially don't look at our children like that. Yeah, and I would, you can I would see
8: that in their language. The way add they... on
5: NGOs to that as well. Oh, yeah. When I said military industrial complex, let's just go ahead and add NGOs yeah. as well exactly. because they, they use that to run cover and, and come under humanitarian aid and it, it provides them all sorts of breaks and relief and relief from scrutiny and pressure and things like that. And that happens. And, and anywhere the Clinton Foundation is involved. You'll find child trafficking fingerprints as well.
2: Laura, so yeah, that's real quick. That, that's, that's something I had no expectation of running into or getting into. I had no um, aspirations of exposing fraudulent NGOs. That wasn't anything that came on my radar when I first conceived this. I'm like, let me just see if I can stop people from raping children on such a scale. But we, through our intelligence uh, network and our, our, um, our connections, I'm starting to learn a lot about a lot of different uh, nonprofit orgs, NGOs that are absolutely not only crooked, but but trafficking children internationally. And so um, I, I'm going to, we'll, we'll investigate and prosecute. I don't care who it is. I don't care who it is. I care about the children. I don't have any loyalties to anybody other than good and straight and honest people and the uh, the innocent. And so that's that's what we're going to do, man. So That's the way to, that's the way to the be, Craig. The sooner people figure that out, out about us, the, the better.
3: I want to go I, back I, to, the, to, the, to the point about what parents can do, because people that come late to the program might not have got that message a little bit. I've, I've successfully raised two young men. They're now 22 and 20 years old. And I would tell them one week after each birthday, whenever you run into somebody in life that tells you that you can't tell your parents this, that's when you tell your parents this. You know, that's when you tell us because be, and and the reason why I did it every year is because kids don't remember when they become teens, they they forget that the prefrontal cortex of the brain and when you're going to have to go puberty, it actually reconfigures. So they can't access the, the same material. So I, I told them every year, a, a week after their birthday, and I told them the reason why you have to is because I can't help you if I don't know what you're
2: getting into. Right. So Can I
10: add to that James? Fantastic
2: point go ahead.
10: As a teacher just um, you know children who have not been taught to have boundaries and be able to voice those boundaries for their whole life and sometimes parents accidentally reinforce the lack of boundaries by saying like oh you're my kid you'll do what I say or like I'll tickle you whenever I want to or you know I'll hug you 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 go hug your uncle even if you feel uncomfortable like all these things reinforce this idea that you don't have to you don't get to actually have boundaries or reinforce them and as a teacher I saw other teachers taking advantage of that um, by you know that slow creep of poking boundaries and pushing things to make kids feel uncomfortable and figuring out which kids wouldn't speak up and so if you have killed children and you are you know encouraging them like this is your body and your life and you get to tell anyone including me what you like and don't like then that is also really helpful.
3: I could, I would like to tell the story how a priest came on to me when I was about that age. So I was an acolyte. Everybody's uh, got their own personal story of things in life, but I was an acolyte uh, in an Episcopalian church in upstate New York, tiny little town. And uh, he invited me over to his house at the rectory, and he said, you know, I heard you have some problems at home. If you want some counseling, come on in, we'll talk. And... You know, he uh, said, do you, do you want to see the library? Oh, yeah. A brain guy like me. I want to see the library. Look at all the books. Looked at the titles. They were interesting. You want to see the kitchen? Sure. Do you want to see this? Do you want to see that? Next thing I know, do you want to see the bedroom? I guess so. Whatever, you know. Brings me upstairs, and he asks me, uh, do you masturbate yet? And I said, mm, no. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what I did at that time or not. But the point is, I said no. And he goes, well, that's unusual because, you know, at your age, boys usually start exploring. And uh, then he goes, do you mind if I call you Jamie? He wanted to give me a pet name. And I said, no, I have a name. And then he goes, do you, uh..." he used a phrase, penny for your thoughts. Okay. He asked me, penny for your thoughts. I said, I just would rather go home, whatever. So he tried to kiss me. And that's when I got up and I said, Remember when you showed me that book down in the library of Chariots uh, of the Gods. But uh, do you think there's anything to the fact, to the idea that perhaps uh, aliens came to the planet and seeded the planet with our ancestors? And his face turned white. He just went white. He's like, you know, he's like, how how, how? he couldn't understand how I could do that at that age. I got I, I got up. I walked out uh, and and, and, I, and I wrote home years later. And this is why I asked about that program to have people help years later i mean this was like uh five years ago i look up on the news uh i'm, I'm looking this guy up where is he right um is he hurting kids so I, get, I get a little worried I, maybe i should have spoke up or something they had moved him from that upstate new york church to the old north church of boston right he had just been arrested two months before but because there was a guy that came forward and said yeah he did this to me The the guy became an adult right and the, so I, that, that morning, I called the arresting officer, and I said, I want to make a statement. And then I called the Episcopalian Church. I said, I, I need to talk to you guys. And I told them both verbatim the exact story, right down to the detail, every last detail. Right, The arresting officer sent a, they sent a lawyer to Pittsburgh and took my statement in my office. I was at the University of Pittsburgh at the time. Uh, and, and the guy, who's John Doe, he doesn't want to be known he ended up winning the case i got a call from the john doe afterwards thanking me the guy said you know what i said what are you going to do with the estate money because he won the, the the priest's entire estate he said he's uh, going to buy an airplane and get his air, air, airplane license he's going to learn to fly he always wanted to do that this community was split down the middle because half the people would believe the priest half the people wouldn't okay and and his his, wife, his own wife divorced him over this because she didn't want to believe him Right? His the priest was his father's best friend, and that's how I got into the family. And so the Episcopal the Episcopalian Church, the deacon or some somebody like that, called me up afterwards and said, Thank you. Because your testimony, it allows the community to heal. Right? And I had given the verbatim detail, and uh, when he won the course the, the case, the lawyer told me the reason why we won the case is because you gave specific details. The penny for your thoughts. Can I give you a pet name? Do you want to see this room? Because they, they use the same MO you know, over and over like that. So that won that case. So it turned out that unfortunately, or for, whatever, however you look at it, the priest had committed suicide in the parking lot after he paid his bail. So he, he made bail and he committed suicide. It's, it's all in the, in the news. You can look it up. His uh, pa, father, Paul, the charity, the guy's dead now. Um, and And so I guess the lesson there is if you have been affected as a child, It's never too late to speak up. You're going to save somebody, turn them in, call the police, tell get the, get the stuff going. You're in the right, call the police and turn them in, right? Well, the argument's going to be, well, you're going to destroy their life. Maybe they're like, not like that anymore. You know, what do you know, what's going on? There's all this, we want to protect other people. And it's the good people that are downtrodden. It's the same thing with vaccines. The good people that get hurt. I've met, I've met 10,000 people over the past five years whose children have been seriously injured by vaccines. And you look at the coronavirus deaths and the healthcare workers that are happening right now, those coronavirus deaths, how come there's so many deaths happening in healthcare workers from coronavirus vaccine, but nobody knows what's killing them? What's the common thing? The only common thing is that they got the vaccine. Then they're gonna move from healthcare workers, right? They're gonna move from healthcare workers, that they already had the elderly, the deaths in the old folks' homes are saying, well, that's not unrelated, it's a correlation, right? now they're saying the liberals are saying let's open up all the schools open up all the schools it's time to go back okay no problem and the teachers are going to start falling and i think small town america is going to stand up then and say you know what you're hurting too many people you've got to take a look at what's going on it's not a coincidence that the world health organization changed the criteria for diagnosis of coronavirus on january 20th it is not a coincidence
1: Yeah, one thing and you mentioned schools, one thing that I thought was really important. I was talking to a teacher re- recently and this is another thing that I didn't even take in consideration in regards the masks, another issue connected to wearing masks at schools is uh, a teacher told me that she wouldn't let her kids go to school until the mask mandate was gone. And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, breathing in carbon dioxide all day, that can't be healthy." And she's like, "No, no, no. If something happens to the child, somebody touches them, something happens, How is he going to recognize them? How you can, I mean, kids are very easily influenced. You could be like, Are you sure it was him? And it'd be like, Uh, I don't know. You know, they have second thoughts. The next thing you know, somebody gets away
3: with something. You know, it's so. And the
9: kid can't be identified if it's got a mask on. You could run away with that kid. That is scary.
3: Well, kids kids don't transmit coronavirus. Uh, Our president, Joe Biden, if you think of him that way, actually it was on video saying to a young girl don't worry honey you you're, you're people your age you don't catch coronavirus and you don't transmit so why are the liberals all saying it's time to go back to school time to go back to school well that's because the next the next tier that they're going to put up is they're going to say to the teachers hey you know for abundance of caution you don't want to transmit it among teachers you should get the vaccine and when the teachers start dying." That's when small town America is going to say they did it to Mrs. So and so or they did it to Mr. So and so. And then you're going to start seeing that, oh no, these vaccines, it, it, it's unrelated to the vaccine. They just died suddenly of cardiomyopathies. They died of uh, um, thrombocy- uh, thrombocytopenia. All right. The same thing that killing the healthcare workers, but it's unrelated. That's what you're going to hear. Was that before or
10: after he uh, inappropriately touched the children and sniffed their hair? <laughs> Exactly. I call
3: can you them, expand I call a little bit on the January 20th uh, WHO definition change, just for people that don't know what happened with the WHO changing the definition on how to diagnose it? Can you just expand on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So when you do a uh, RT-PCR test for coronavirus, which is a really inefficient and inexact way of doing the, the diagnosis, the first error was that CDC said, you know what, if you, if you test positive for the virus, it means you have the disease. That's not what a disease is. Coronavirus is caused by the virus, but you could have the virus and you could be fighting it off successfully. You could have the virus and you could have already fought it off successfully, or you could have the virus because you just inhaled it two seconds ago, right? So you, a positive PCR test, all right? What happened is in, 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 February, in January 16th, the CDC could have adopted a, a CDC test that was made available to the world by Germany. There's 141 countries that adopted that test. 2021? 141 other countries. 2021 or 2020? 2020. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then the next month CDC, no, they they refused it. They said they're going to make their own test, right? They They shipped out a flawed test. It was used on the Princess Cruise ship people, right? It was used on those people, and they were told, okay, you're negative, go home or you're positive, you need to be looked at. They spread coronavirus. It took other medical doctors to say, no, this is a COVID-19 case. There's no doubt about it. They have the same pathology of the lungs. It's called glass-like opacities. The same exact you know, symptoms of a dry cough, et cetera, et cetera. And then the CDC admitted, we have a problem. We've shipped out a flawed test. That ate up a month. Then the FDA allowed emergency use authorization of testing from commercial entities, but the FDA not only required those tests to be able to detect the virus when it was really there, but not to not detect it when the virus wasn't there. So now you've got the possibility of false positives, right? And it took the, it took the, the entire medical community months to figure out you have to run the test two times. I don't know if you guys remember this. Oh, well, the answer's here. We got commercial tests. Go ahead and get tested. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean I got to get tested again? Well, because the first one might be wrong. And, you know, people are testing, Elon Musk did six tests, he tested three and three, right? So what's going on, that's called false positives. And and, and there are scientific studies that show that when the prevalence of an infection is low, like two, one percent, which is about where coronavirus is, if you screen everybody indiscriminately with a test that has false positives, you're going to have way more false positives than you are going to have true positives. And... And false negatives, you're just going to end up with a bunch of people being shut down, locked down, stay at home, don't go to ch- go to go to work. You can't do anything. And what does the CDC say? What does the public health official say? I was just part of a case as an expert in Pitt- Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for a restaurant called the Cracked Egg, and the state APB- epidemiologist testified to the judge. That there's no false positives in the CDC test. Oh, zero. So we we've got them right where we want them because when they say something stupid like that. Well, we can show them. There's one, two, three, four studies that show that false positives go from 11%, maybe, to 50%. It depends on the test and so on. So the, the actual change in the World Health Organization involved a recognition that if you dial the PCR test all the way up and you're using 40 cycles in the PCR, that, you're gonna, that that's to maximize sensitivity, but that's at a cost of false positives. If you dial it up, you're going to get way too many false positives. So any, we have a, a FOIA document from the FDA that, that where the, uh, the sorry, the HHS is sent where there's, there's an expert there saying any cycle threshold of 35 or greater on the PCR test is meaningless. And yet you're, you're, you're diagnosing COVID-19 using cycle numbers above 35. Okay. So I'm working with a doctor called Singhang Lee. He's from Milford, Connecticut. He's been in the United States for decades. He's fighting against the Problem of not pap smearing women instead of just using PCR for decades. He's fighting against the fraud in um, on the HPV vaccine as well, mm. uh, and he and so he wants to sequence. If you have a molecular test, you might as well sequence it and see what the virus is. Maybe it's influenza A the person has. Maybe it's influenza B. Maybe it's respiratory syncytial virus, or maybe it's bacterial pneumonia. Instead, what they say is nope. If you got a PCR test, it's positive. Oh, by the way, there's no there's no false positives you have COVID-19. And so they're absolutely inflating the numbers of COVID-19. They have from the start they, on purpose because they're, they are they, they crapped their pants. They shipped out a flawed test. It got away from them. They couldn't do contact tracing. And anybody that says that they've been trying to do contact tracing is full of it because you can't do contact tracing once it's got to the point where you got 20,000 cases out there because they don't have 20,000 contact tracers. They have the ability that there's a race against to make enough tests but then, who's going to do the tracing? You can't. You'd have to have an army of a hundred thousand. They say they did a million tests. Where's the million contact tracers? It's not ever going to happen. So they want to put an app on your phone, but a good, good, red-blooded Americans are going to say, "No, I don't want you to know where I am on my phone. I want to know where I am on my phone, but you don't have the right to know that."
4: So, and, then, uh, and what you're saying is right after Biden came in they they dialed that down and they said now it needs uh, other diagnosis as well you got to ramp the cycles down or whatever they started to
3: back back off this already right and what's that going to do it's going to make the number of cases of coronavirus drop and so oh wait a minute the vaccine's working right? right luckily mainstream media is onto this for the first time ever they're actually publishing stories saying yes the cases are dropping but it's not due to the vaccine there's not enough vaccinated it's something else wow so, yeah. Right, and a
6: lot of people don't know that the CDC is a um, is is actually really financed by big pharma. It's not a government organization. It's not it has no oversight really, and they've they've been moving the the uh, goalposts constantly. But when you look into who finances the CDC, you're going to find the Gates Foundation. You're going to find all the all the big pharma companies that are making these vaccines. The CDC, why we're, why we have put them on this pedestal? Let alone the World Health Organization. Uh, But the CDC has history of just completely um, honestly lying, fudging numbers. Right now they're saying that what they were doing, they've devastated New York with this phony test. And Cuomo wasn't letting, I mean, who was giving these tests? People are standing in line for hours outside in the freezing cold taking tests at like the local, you know, urgent care. And because he's demanding it. And i just said who who's doing these tests who's reading the tests you just have to get like a prescription from a doctor to get (laughs) it just there's no there's no i I, it seems totally flawed but then i found out just a few days ago i was doing some research and it turned out that they were giving the cdc was giving orders to coroners and um to um, morgues and to uh uh, you know anyone who's doing autopsies to leave out the second, uh, the real problem, and put COVID as the main cause of death in like, like 160 percent of, of these cases. Sixteen
3: hundred percent. Actually, you're citing a paper that I that's by he, Dr. Henry Ely. At all, it's published in my journal, Science, Public Health, Policy, and Law. 16, was, right. I was, exactly. I was the, the editor in chief on that. Paper, I saw that. And I handled the peer review of it. Now, here's what happened with that. In in August, Deborah Burke said. If they died with, it, died they died from.
11: Right.
3: And it doesn't matter if you jumped off of a roof, got a sh- shotgun, motorcycle accident, doesn't matter. And that's so ridiculous. I mean, this is, a, I'm exaggerating, okay, but the re- the reality is you, you don't do diagnosis that way. And there's a doctor, Scott Jenkins, he's over in Minnesota, former senator. He's I interviewed up. him. And he actually did an audit on on how if he did if he does it the way the CDC says versus the way that, that he would do it, with the way it used to be done in 2003, you end up with he ended up with 25 26 percent reduction in the number of deaths attributed to COVID 19. But here's the deal: the CDC say you got a, a dead person, right? The te- the person's going to test or not test. If you don't run the test, you have to presume COVID because that's what CDC rules says if they died and they had anything respiratory you have to presume covid from those covid from those cases those people either had covid or they didn't so they're made up of two groups there and even those people that had the, the the virus they might have died from something else it's true right so they might have had underlying conditions you ever notice if you die from a virus the cause is known instantly but if you sub- allegedly die from a vaccine it takes a whole committee to figure it out it takes months and months to figure it out these the stack epidemic of unknown causes so it, it, then you have the people that did take the test, right? And those people that took the test, some are gonna test positive positive, test negative, but then that, 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 that virus not only, ha- if you test positive, the virus might not really be there. You have a false positive, there, or the virus might not be viable because you have the CT score way up high, right? And so there's, I've, I mapped it out just recently, I'm working on a study right now. There's six different routes to false positives. And this epidemiologist in, in, from Harrisburg had the gall to show up in court and say, there's no false positive on the test. So yeah, it's a big problem. And that's, this is why we need independent public health. I've just, I've recently published a, a something I call plan B where we take, we wrest control of public health from, you know, you're right, Mel, exactly right about the money coming to CDC. The CDC foundation receives over $27 million a year from pharmaceutical companies They have patents on tests. They have patents on their own vaccines. The CDC is a for-profit corporation masquerading as a a regulatory agency, right? This is called regulatory capture. The the pharmaceutical companies actually run and own. It's a wholly owned subsidiary. The pharmaceutical companies actually price fix through the market. They actually have a a committee called the... um, uh, um, the, um, the Committee on Immunization Practices. Uh, it's an official arm of HHS, the ASEP it's called. And and they sit around and they all approve of each other's vaccines. Every person on that committee, except for one guy has a conflict of interest. It's the military guy. They have a direct financial conflict of interest and they're the ones deciding the CDC's childhood schedule. There's and they just A couple of years ago, they approved of a flu vaccine that had zero efficacy. They said, yeah, sure, go ahead. We should approve this. It's got zero efficacy. And you're right about them lying about the statistics. From 2014 to 2019, the CDC actually changed influenza. Do you think influenza is that you got the flu virus? No. Influenza is influenza virus, RSV, which I just said, uh, respiratory, uh, bacterial pneumonia, influenza A and B, and coronavirus before, this is up to 2019, other coronaviruses. So if you had a a medical diagnosis or if you died from uh, these conditions, you were given influenza disease status. Now, Mm -hmm. this is with or without a molecular test, just the same way. So influenza disease, the press dutifully says 55,000, 80,000 deaths from influenza every year. It's not. It's 5,000. 5,000 deaths from influenza every year. Along comes coronavirus. Yes, it's a serious killer. Yes, they put too many people on ventilators. Yes, they stopped early treatment with hydroxychloroquine and with ivermectin intentionally. And now we've got all these deaths. We've got this excess deaths. We can't deny that a lot of people died from respiratory-related illnesses. But I'm going to tell you that before coronavirus, there were 5,000 deaths from, from influenza. And they took that bucket diagnosis of influenza disease and they crossed out influenza disease and they called it COVID-19 it's called pneumonia influenza and COVID so that's when the press is talking about numbers of COVID they're talking about anything that happened to be diagnosed as COVID whether it was really COVID or not Mm -hmm. and so and then they lumped it all in as the flu so they can have a market for their flu shots that's exactly right they have to have six six to seven percent of the deaths have to be attributed to a virus for there to be an epidemic for them to get the money for their vaccine program it's a it, one-to-one it, relationship. So they're cooking the books on flu. They're cooking the books on, on COVID-19. And uh, it's, it's, it's far, far, far worse than anyone imagined. I've published articles and I used to have 16,000 followers on LinkedIn, a professional network, and they booted me for publishing articles saying, you guys are cheating. And they're like, no, you're being unprofessional. Mm.
12: You, you know, I, I was sitting in an airport about four years ago in Taipei, and I overheard a conversation, and I don't know who these guys were, but the, the guy leading the conversation said, you know, I don't know how much longer the pharmaceutical industry can last because they're researching diseases or cures for diseases or medicines that, for diseases that don't exist. So I think it goes way beyond. It's like even research projects are fake. Oh, yeah. Just and I, I would... more justification for money.
13: I, I actually want to get your opinion on this, too. There's a couple of doctors, Dr. Tom Callen and Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who've said this virus has never been sequenced. And with, with the, how they're book, cooking the books on the deaths, the cases, all this stuff, what would you say to that? Do you believe this virus is, has been sequenced? It's real. You know, I mean, there's a part of me with as much as they're lying to us that says they might be lying about this virus altogether.
3: Yeah, so it's like the Tom Hanks is a pedophile kind of thing. You can take it too far. You really can't take it too far. And so, the, yes, the virus has been sequenced. There's over 60,000 sequences in the database. Uh, what their argument is, is that the virus has never been isolated. It's never been grown up in the lab. It's never been then sampled from that lab growth and then infected to a human to cause the disease. That's called Koch's postulates. You can't infect people intentionally with the virus to cause the disease. So you're never going to satisfy that particular criterion. But Dr. Singh Hang Lee's work is the one I'm going to fall back on. He actually did sequence the virus. He didn't sequence the entire genome, but many people have, and I've analyzed entire genomic sequences for a living. It's, it's not a big deal. Um, the, the virus itself, the sequences that Dr. Singhang Lee, he uses Sanger sequencing. It's classical sequencing. And the virus sequences that he gets, they don't map to the human genome at all. They're very va- They're quite valid, and they specifically... Uh, let him show that the false positive rate of the PCR tests were 30%. So he found false negatives and false positives, which means he's, you know we're getting sequence out of it. The other thing is that you can take viruses that are very similar to this, for instance, SARS, and you can infect an animal with it. And you can get, you know, the, the, they, did the, uh, they did the animal trials with SARS. They did the animal trials of the non-human primates. They infected non-human primates with SARS-CoV-2 after they vaccinated them to check to tech for pathogenic priming to check for disease enhancement, they should have used ferrets. But they were able to induce disease in non-human primates. And so, you know, it's, it's 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 a blind alley, I think, to go down that the the virus doesn't exist. And and you know what, this is it still works in their favor because our heads are spinning. They keep our heads spinning. We've got, we've got economic whiplash in the United States. We've got psychological whiplash. We've got intellectual whiplash. How do you know what to believe? Yep. That's called gaslighting, isn't mm-hmm. it, Craig? That's called mm-hmm. gaslighting. When somebody says, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear three masks, you know, and they keep changing it. And yet they have the authority in any relationship that's called gaslighting. And that's intentional. Let me ask you,
7: you, you mentioned uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I was wondering if you're now familiar with the Oxford study on budesonide that has a 90% efficacy rate and actually keeping you out of a hospital and then treating you while you're sick. And it's a cheap steroid that's now been talked about, at least from Dr. Bartlett and others, since July that is easily accessible. Ivermectin is what I got my second and and really warning for. And I'm now banned on YouTube. We're seeing more and more of this. Yeah. It's medical misinformation. Misinformation means it's not true. Well, I'm looking at this study. It says it right here. You know, this is a 28-day trial. It literally says 90%. Uh, You know, what are your thoughts on this? How do we get around this? First of all, talk about what your thoughts are on Budesonide, this drug, and other steroids. Um, But how do we get around this censorship of, I mean, you look at Google, number one search engine in the world. Number two is YouTube. YouTube is what's banning it. It's the number one video platform in the world. Android is the number one operating system in the world. Chrome, not far behind it. Chrome's the number one browser in the world. You know, this is not a monopoly. This is a technopoly in the highest regard. So how do we combat this on top of it?
3: Well, the first thing is to do what we're doing right now, because I expect that this, we're going to be reaching how many, you know, millions of people. Everybody's got to share this out on all video platforms. Uh, and, and, And this is a very important message. Understand that um, budesonide, If you know anything about the immune system, it is patently obvious that it must work to reduce morbid- morbidity and mortality from the virus. It must, because the mechanism is is absolutely clear. It has not only a plausible mechanism, but it's 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 a it's a non it's 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 ob- it's, it's obvious that a car won't run with gas. Okay, that's you know it, 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 without gas. I mean. Um, But here's the thing. From the beginning, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, specifically turfed hydroxychloroquine in the following way. Now, pay attention. The Henry Ford study, he came out and he said, yeah, there seems to be some evidence of Henry Henry Ford. There's hydroxychloroquine seems to have some efficacy. But we all know that they also use corticosteroids. So we don't know whether it was corticosteroids or if it was hydroxychloroquine. Sounds reasonable, right? put me in that same podium and I don't want the job trust me because I like friends like you you guys would hate me if I ever went to work for the government and I would have said the following holy fracking crap we found that hydroxychloroquine with corticosteroids might reduce mortality from the virus wow that's great we need to repeat the study and see if it could be reproduced that's a very different message so he's putting out you know he's dousing water on the fire of early treatment And he actually was quoted in the press by saying, we don't want too many people to get this virus because then we won't need the vaccine. So he made his agenda (laughs) perfectly clear. The CDC, Anthony Fauci, the medical community, including people who have, I won't say which, but I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There's a major medical institution right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The CEO put out the word to all the workers at that institution that you will not talk about the coronavirus vaccine in work, or you'll be fired. So the censorship, the shut down the conversation—that's not American. That is as un-American. If, if it doesn't fit the Constitution, I'm against it. We just keep fighting. Tell everybody that Pierre Cory was right. Iver- Ivermectin super effective. There's now three more studies that show, I mean, his meta-analysis, go to c19study.com. You'll see all of the evidence for all the treatments. I don't know if you budesonide is there or not, but there's an overwhelming amount of science that shows that these things are effective for early treatment. They're not effective for late treatment, but you know what, if you've got, if you, if you've got late stage coronavirus, you're not doing it right anyway, because if you look at Dr. Brownstein's protocol, which was also published in my journal, You should be taking this is not my advice this is dr brownstein's protocol you should be taking high dose vitamin d high dose vitamin a high dose vitamin c selenium um zinc zinc zinc, you gotta have the zinc and i just interviewed dr russell blaylock on my podcast on breaking science and he loves quercetin and he says that there's a more bioavailable quercetin out there called nano or something like that so we know how to reduce the inflammation in the body with, with these things. Anyway, you, if you're gonna die from coronavirus, it's because you have a TH2 skewed immune system. Your, your, your T helper two immune, immunity is too high. Your T helper one is too low, okay? So you wanna balance that out. Well, what, what skews the TH2 immune system in humans is aluminum. Aluminum from your diet, aluminum from vaccines. And 60% of our childhood vaccines have aluminum the, the um, uh, pertussis, uh, the tetanus shot, if you, if you cut yourself and the doctor says you need tetanus, that thing's got aluminum, a lot of it in it. And so mm-hmm. you want to get, look at your baking powder and your baking soda, look at aluminum in your diet and, and make sure you're not causing a, t- a skewed immune system where you're going to have a problem.
10: What about hey, fasting? God
3: fasting um i haven't looked at yeah intermittent fasting i i I used to know tony bark i don't know if you guys know who tony bark was uh tony bark md one of the most brilliant uh naturopaths she was an md that went to naturopathy and she swore by intermittent fasting to to reboot the immune system have you
12: heard about august dunning and um uh, dry fasting
3: yeah, I'm not an expert on that, but I can I can tell you that since your fasting causes you to go into autophagy, so you're getting your macrophages uh, to go after the cells that die because you're starting to break down your own body, and so that will actually uh, stimulate some kind of an immune response. It's the same cells. Well, and
1: you're detoxing. I mean, we we get like you said, you get, we have such poor quality food. We have poor quality. I mean, just environment. Just detoxing and giving your body time to kind of just re-energize i fast every day I, I i still haven't ate anything today when i do these shows i only eat after the show
3: ricky so I, I guarantee I, you don't fast every day
1: uh, uh, i do fast. <laughs> uh, well now you're okay good point touche you got me <laughs> yeah, anyway I,
3: I have to say you guys might not like this but i have to say nothing what i'm saying here is medical advice whatsoever i'm referencing mds and what they have told me and what they've published in scientific studies right right so, yeah.
4: I, James, James, well, I, I, really I, I wanted to ask I wanted to ask about the mRNA vaccine and how they, and they're putting this thing out there. It's not like any other vaccines, and they haven't really, from what I've read, it's really not been used on humans before. But some of the animal trials, you see that the animals had an adverse reaction to when they actually do, when the virus is actually represented back in their system. So I guess, are they setting themselves up for another high death count if they're doing these mRNA vaccines, or is this all just like kind of woo-woo?
3: that's the that's the, that's a very real concern it's not woo uh, the, the fact is that for the uh, respiratory syncytial virus when they did they vaccinated a bunch of kids in the 50s and 60s and then they challenged those kids with the virus uh, t- like two or three of the kids died and the rest had to go to the hospital and that the problem that's called disease enhancement and you haven't heard about it before because the way that they play with your mind with the language they changed disease enhancement to immune enhancement It sounds like Um, you're taking vitamin D3 and you're getting your sunshine. You're giving people hugs and you're repairing your social, you know, it's not immune enhancement. It's making the disease worse with your vaccinated first, and then you get the infection. uh, Isn't
12: that also referred to as immunosuppression?
3: um, Not really. The problem is it, it could be, that could be a mechanism disease enhancement. So in case of coronavirus, Coronaviruses. So, for the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome and for the SARS virus, when they did the animal studies, they, they actually found disease enhancement over and over and over again. But it was weird. They didn't just find disease enhancement in the lungs. They found it in the spleen. They found it in the kidneys. They found it in the liver, and they found it in the brain. And so, when they when it comes to the SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, they skipped the animal trials. They didn't do uh, the the ferrets, right? They, and and they 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 should have done the fairest to look for what's called antibody dependent enhancement and that's where the immunosuppression comes in because some of these viruses can actually infect cells in our immune system better if you've had the vaccine first so that's where oh, okay. it cool. links in
6: there's the one thing that bothers me about both what craig's talking about and what you're talking about is what is why is our media against us like why why is are they all so against us what 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 is the who is the overall warlord that is holding back the info on pedophilia, on child trafficking, on all this stuff that you're talking about with COVID? And, you know, it's really isn't it certification of vaccine ID is what it stands for. And then this vaccine is called an operating system. And, you know, there's an international trafficking situation going none of this stuff is reported. And if we talk about it on YouTube, you get taken down. If you as a doctor, you get attacked. Craig gets attacked. Anyone who's talking about any of this stuff gets attacked. What is going on? That there's, there's an overreaching thing. And I, I guess it's their great reset and they, they well, just want to hide their yeah. crimes. But the number, I mean, at what point?
3: The, the number one factor is the profit motive for the old media. That's what I called them. The old media. Their number one source of revenue is direct-to-consumer marketing. Direct-to-consumer marketing from drug companies. So when you see all those, te- if, who here watches television anymore, right? But if you watch television, you rem- when you used to watch television, you remember. Try this new drug. By the way, you know parts of your body will fall off, but you know, <laughs> you know. But but they play nice sounding music behind it while they're telling you this, and there's always sunshine and butterflies and all this. Those 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 that was actually consumer marketing, full page ad- ads in the New York Times. All of that marketing is their number one source of revenue. And Fox, the, the leader of Fox uh, News actually told Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that he can't come on anymore because if he does, they're under threat to lose all their funding from, you know, and, and, and anybody who interviews him, again, the word was, they're going to be fired too. And uh, WGBH actually fired and then uh, hired and then fired somebody who was actually vaccine risk aware uh, because they would lose their, their their marketing. And that's a public television. So what we need to do is we need to ban direct-to-consumer marketing uh, in the United States. Okay. You need to write to your senators and your congressmen, and I hate to appeal to the authority, but you have to say, listen, they're killing us. They're absolutely killing us. We need to know the truth. The media should then be able to. I, t- I send people to Cheryl Atkinson. I send people to, uh, to, to Ben Swan, to, to, to Del Bigtree at the High Wire. I send, there's, there is valid investigative reporting going on. Um, and, of course, come on over to Unbreaking Science, and you'll see some interesting interviews there, too.
13: I just wanted to ask you about the d- disease enhancement. If, if we're going to see the results of that, if, if that's going to start happening, is that going to be something right away? Are we going to see Is this going to maybe when the fall when, like, the flu kicks in? Or, I, I mean, when will we start seeing the results? And I mean, I'm sure they'll just blame it on, on uh, COVID anyway. So, much, right.
3: so look, at, look up the hashtag pathogenic priming, hashtag pathogenic priming. I coined that phrase to replace immune enhancement. It used to be called immune enhancement, disease enhancement. You got to take a lot of time to say it. If you say pathogenic priming, people like pathogenic disease causing priming. Oh, crap. Okay. So they get it. Uh, The the timing of this varies. I think the expectation that uh, Dr. Russell Blaylock told me that the worst of it's going to be six months after your vaccine, but they're staggering the rollout between different tiers, right? So the argument's going to be, oh, that person got COVID, uh, it was COVID that killed them. Maybe it's true, but if it was made worse because they're vaccinated, in a causal analysis, it's both factors, right? That they might have been just fine. So I'm telling everybody, look up the Brownstein protocol, even if you have vaccinated, because I asked uh, uh, Dr. Russell Blaylock again, uh, do you think that these treatments, uh, these, these sorry, these therapies, they're not treatments, these therapies... Um, to protect against COVID might protect against more serious COVID if you're vaccinated? He said, absolutely. So look up the Brownstein protocol. Uh, it's at science, public health policy, and the law. Uh, it is peer reviewed. It's, uh, But it's not a randomized clinical trial, but it's something that you can potentially do for yourself. And of course, talk to your doctor.
13: Yeah, I'll definitely be looking into that. I mean, my, my parents took the vaccine, so <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll do that though. I can't take the vaccine back, but I can uh, help them get it. Get Everybody some
3: should be protocol. taking vitamin D3 at a minimum anyway, because uh, 80% of Americans or sure. something like that are D3, uh, vitamin D deficient. Uh, and the reason for that is because the FDA made a mistake in the calculation of toxicity. You can look up uh, uh, Keith Baggerly, MD. Um, and he actually did a presentation a couple of years ago now, where he showed that their estimation of the safe level of d was, was too low, so we live in the northern hemisphere. We're not getting D from the sun. Um, you definitely want to increase that, and let's see if we can feel better. It helps with depression. It helps with everything. But there's so much science on the benefits of D.
12: I, I know that uh, living in uh, near the equator myself, uh, the even though I'm in one of the countries that's rather has rather strong protocols. We've had basically insignificant numbers of death, and it's because everybody has vitamin D. Everybody has high levels of vitamin C because their food has lots of vitamin C in it. Yeah. I did have another question for you, James. Um, I've read recently from someone that would know, not, not someone just at random, it's a constitutional attorney, Robert Barnes, that over 1,000 case deaths have occurred directly because of the vaccination that these are government numbers. Now, I know that there are acceptable levels of deaths for vaccines. Are we at that point, if we not reached the point of
3: acceptable level of death? Or what do you know? So if it's, if, I wouldn't be surprised if it's at a thousand. However, the language that you're using is, you know, not the government language. The government okay. language is, if you die from the vaccine, your family should report it to VAERS, V A ERS. However, if you go to VARES and you try to analyze the data, you have to agree that causality is not demonstrated. And so <laughs> if, if, if you right And so because they don't know that each individual case if the vaccine was really involved or not, it has to be adjudicated and you know and so we've, we've analyzed it I have a team of people that work on it. They re, they, I see it every day, the, the updates and, and, and here's the deal we're already well beyond the stopping algorithm point when it comes to the number of observed deaths. And that's what you have to call them, observed okay. deaths. Not that we're directly caused by, because causality is arguable. What they okay. should do is write to the FDA. Here's the thing, people don't know how to va- to report vaccine adverse events properly. Not only should you report it to VARES, but if you report it to the vaccine manufacturer and the FCC, the FDA, all these thousands of reports, so it should be done to both. it it has to be gone to the vaccine manufacturer. They must by law inform the FDA of each individual report that they get. And then if those reports are a large enough number, that's when the FDA has to say, you guys need to go back and do another study. Now the argument's gonna be, well, we're already doing the post-market surveillance study because unlike drugs, the vaccines are studied in the following way. They're studied for um, a very short period of time using prospective randomized placebo controlled trials. However, the placebo is almost always never saline. It's almost always mm-hmm. either another vaccine or it's an active ingredient like aluminum in the vaccine, right? So we really don't have this, the short-term safety understanding of the vaccine. Second, and, and, and Moderna was forced to use a saline by ICANN, the ICANN Decide Network, which is run by Big Bigtree they actually intervened. Their their lawyer wrote a letter and said, no, 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 you're not going to get away with this. You have to use a saline placebo. So we end up with, uh, just generally speaking now about vaccines, you end up with the short-term safety studies uh, where then the medical doctors that work for the pharmaceutical companies go in and they look at each death and they say, this death was caused by the vaccine or this death wasn't. Now, Mm -hmm. if you die from a vaccine, your family has to sue the Department of Health and Human Services is something called the Vaccine Court, National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, and it can take 10 years to determine if you were died from the vaccine or not. But these guys can do it in two days? Are you kidding me? Okay, so you end up saying, all right, we're, 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 we're biasing the number of adverse events and the number of deaths in the short-term trials, and then they, for Moderna and Pfizer, they, they combine the next phase, right? That's why we don't have three phases they combine the next phase out of an abundance of, well, we need to do this more quickly, right? Operation warp speed. But then what people don't understand is that the third phase is post market It goes to the market. It goes to the people. And then you say, put it out to the people and see what happens. See how many people die. See how many people get hurt. And guess what? Hardly yeah. anybody knew that they should report their vaccine injuries since 1986. Hardly anybody knew about the vaccine right. And so they're underreported. And so those numbers never really get back. And hardly nobody knows you're supposed to report it to the vaccine maker and, this, and the FDA in, with a letter, okay? You go to their website, they're going to they're gonna handle the information how they handle information. So we are absolutely, there was a study by Harvard Pilgrim. They developed an automatic vaccine adverse events re- detector. It was called esp VARES. And what it would do is it would analyze the electronic medical records of people for signs that, hey, wait a minute, this person just had a vaccine and they got they had this right afterwards. Mm-hmm. They found that the rate of successful reporting versus non-reporting was 100 to 1. So only 1 in 100 vaccine adverse events are typically reported. Uh, oh, that so
9: have been crazy. true in the Moderna study because I was looking at that and I noticed that 15,000 people got the vaccine and 15,000 got the saline placebo. I couldn't believe it. And then if you look of the people who got the vaccine, none died of COVID, but of the people who got the saline, one died of COVID, which is statistically totally insignificant. But they didn't mention, I didn't even think to mention, to see if anyone had died of the vaccine. So it could have been, obviously no one would have died of the vaccine in the saline placebo group, I wonder if there's reporting within the studies of the vaccine injuries.
3: Right. So the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System is for post-market surveillance. After they say, okay, we're done with the phase one, phase two, now we're going to go. And this is all written and this is all legal. This is all the way that vaccine studies are done. In my opinion, every single American citizen or parent who's ever gotten a vaccine or had their their child vaccinated was part of an experiment without informed consent because Mm -hmm. no pediatrician ever said, this is part of the post-market surveillance for adverse events for vaccines. Do you want your child to be part of this experiment or not? You were never given the choice. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so when you look, there's some, I've published a couple of articles on the Defender, that's that's at the uh, Children's Health Defense website, uh, where there's some very strange things going on with uh, the way that they were reporting deaths. and this attribution, they, they see cardiomyopathies in the vaccinated and they say it's definitely not due to the vaccine. How do they, how do they know that? They've ruled out all the cardiomyopathies is not being due to the vaccine and yet we know that vaccines stimulate the immune system and cardiomyopathy for people who never had a cardiomyopathy, they weren't prone to it. How do they know? Where do they get their information? these medical doctors have some kind of crystal ball or something to be able to rule in and rule out causes of death during the trials.
8: What do you think I, uh, about um, I... the herd immunity uh, change? Sorry to speak over you there. I know there was some word about the the definition changing. You had spoken earlier about the changing definitions of certain criteria. And there was some word about uh, the definition of herd immunity uh, being changed by, I think it might've been the world health organization uh, meaning that uh, vaccines are more paramount to achieving herd immunity as opposed to what was previously known about herd immunity. Do you have any thoughts on that, James? If you want to lay that thought to rest, maybe put it on the record. Here is it f- nonsense? Is is there something to it? Is it really what it is, it is? It ridiculous as it appears to me? Is there some credibility to it? Is there a reason
3: for it? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll jump on this and then let's get back to Craig a little bit with the drug sure. trafficking. But here's, yeah. here's what I want to say about that. If you look at every immunology textbook you look at any vaccine uh, textbook there's only a couple of them. If you look at all the definitions of herd immunity until 2020 in uh, 2021 herd immunity was the, the point at which a population or becomes um, collectively protected against an infectious agent because enough of the peop- people or animals either had the infection or were vaccinated, or both. That 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 was the working definition. Just recently, like you said, the World Health Organization now says that it herd immunity, the definition only applies to people who are vaccinated, and here's why. If you look at the math, there's something like 20 million people who've gotten COVID-19, right? 85% alleged asymptomatic, you gotta then do the math and add those to it, and you're at like 180 million people that have been exposed to the virus you know children don't transmit so there's about 270 million adults and that gives us 66 percent coverage for for SARS-CoV-2 you need 58 percent coverage we may already have herd immunity in the United States but if they say that it only counts if it comes from the vaccine okay and this my last thought on this is what we're dealing with and this will help a lot of you freedom-loving Americans that are trying to actually rage against the machine there's two ways to look at this world there's the constructivist view where you bake you think you can create reality with the words that you use you think that you because you dictate and decree that it's true and then you have the empirical approach and the empirical approach is show me the data i want to see the experiment i want to know i want to see proof so we're fighting against constructivists who actually believe that if they say herd immunity is only from the vaccine, then it must, we're not there
2: yet.
14: That's I the had a, a question for, for Craig. Um, when you were, when you were, when you go into the history of this, of the, the, the child rape trafficking network that just seems to operate with impunity, um, did you go along, or did you run up against, uh, like, the, the less Wexner, Roy Cohn um, Sam Bromfman, American Crime Syndicate route, or do you have uh, a, an entirely different avenue? Because it, if we can connect all of the different streams, it, it seems like it would be when we take this to to uh, uh, I don't I hate to use the word like normies, but but to the the broader public, um, it. It seems like it would be easier if you could make the the connections for them, you know. Um, so I'm interested in what what avenues you you found while you've been doing this
2: research. Yeah. Well, first thing we did was was crank out Contra Land, and we had to fight through holy hell to get that out because there were a lot of people that did not want that to the populace and and out there. So we brought that, and now we're configuring a a series, a television series. We've got a guy that's right now, <laughs> he's actually key in demonstrating the forensic evidence of the election fraud. He's a, he's one of these geniuses from the American industrial compact and he's key in, in that he's heavily involved in that. And, uh, we're putting together the series that, so that we can pound on this. Cause there's, there's so much information. If you bring it and you should just dump it on the American populist lap. It's overkill overwhelming you lose them so we're trying to meter it out there and you know we started by showing where it all came came from the the cascading avalanche of destruction in the united states really was ignited by alfred kinsey so we start there and map that out and what we're going to do is just keep keep hammering away and keep showing the network and what all has happened and just demonstrating that over over you know, time week after week with a TV series and uh, really empower the people with the knowledge on what's happened. So, um, you know, I, I learn every day. I've been at this for only four years. So a lot of guys have been doing this for a lot longer. They know all the different details of everything that's happened. And I'm like, man, I just got my heart broken and I got ticked off of what was going on with kids. And I'm like, let's rip the lid off of this cesspool. Let's shine the light on it. Let's bring it to the American people and show them what's happening. So that culturally we turn away from this, we turn against it and say, this is no longer okay. We're going to start protecting our children now, rather than preying upon them and destroying them. And that can be a positive cultural change that we make. So for me, um, I realize you're never going to educate people at once uh, with one big, massive blow up to the head with uh, the knowledge. So I, I think it's a metered approach to just keep pounding it out so that in a, in a, and over a matter of time, everyone is pretty much saturated with it, and they, they're savvy to the, how the thing came about, how it works, how to counter it, and how to safeguard the children from it in the future.
8: Craig, what is it that holds people back? I, I have never experienced, and you know, I'm nowhere, I, I, I'm i not boots on the ground to the extent that you are, but I play the role of just raising the the small voice that I have, and I've never experienced the uh, tremendous level of resistance against anything. And I I don't really, I explore the fringes, but I don't promote it as much. I'm trying to guide people between fact and fiction and to let them know this is the wrong route to the truth. This This is actual, adequate, credible information. But out of all the weird things that you can get people interested in, this is something that is realistic compared to the rest of them, but they don't touch it. And what is it in your mind that prevents people from really diving into and considering the industrial scale of this? Is it just simply the level of darkness that that yeah uh, that sex sex trafficking of children brings about? Is it something more than that? I see people just have immense blinders on, as and people I, I would have thought that that parents everywhere would jump at this, but I've actually saw uh, kind of the opposite and. I, what do you think that is? Why is it that people seem to have a true just uh, they turn their heads, they they want to pretend it doesn't exist. Is there something that I'm missing here? Because I feel like if we do band together, there could be a way to combat this. It is like a weed there. Like you said, there is no one swoop to get rid of this. You don't you don't mow a lawn and expect the grass to never grow back. That's how evil works. You have to continuously Uh, you know, shave the weeds down, whip the hedge clippers out. What is it that turns people away consistently from just playing their own little part in this? Do you have any
2: thoughts on that? You mentioned the word evil, and that's something that uh, people are inherently, naturally, primally repulsed by. Rightfully so, as am I. Admittedly, I'm repulsed by this entire topic. I would rather be on the beach playing with my dogs or Bar- barbecuing or doing anything more fun than dealing with sick people who harm the most precious and innocent. It's so unjust, right? So that repulsion is that behavior is is one reason. And the other is that, uh, you know, evil, there is such a force as evil and there is such a force as good and evil as energy. And that energy is has a source. It comes from somewhere. Good has a source. Good comes from somewhere. What you're seeing with child trafficking is the frontline clash between good and evil. When I first threw my hat in the ring, I'm like, this is my war. I have to, I'm in. It was because Guys from the intelligence community and investigators that have been involved in these rescues and recoveries and, and raids said craig i don't care what you've seen in, around the world in war zones what you're going to see here after you get past the political uh, corruption and blackmail and the sexual perversion of the weirdos that get off with kids and the financial you know 38 billion dollars Then you're going to get to the rancid core of this, and you're going to see the frontline clash, and it's a spiritual clash between the forces of good and evil. That we—that's not part of our society. We don't really talk about that in the in the tangible, real sense. So I think it kind of weirds people out. Like, well, you're talking about spiritual stuff. I can't touch that. I don't understand it. But with what we deal with, I mean, we've we've. Feel it. I mean, when you get around evil, it's there's just a creepiness that you can just feel, and so I think that's repulsing people. Yeah. And there's also the moral courage aspect of it. Not everybody in the United States now, because we have been conditioned. We're talking about censorship, right? Uh, if you're big, bold, full of testosterone, and you're you're you speak the truth, man, and you're you're going to help people, and uh, man, be live larger than life. You're going to be deemed, uh, you know toxic masculinity and you're going to be silenced right because there's a big agenda for power and a strong united states is not on their agenda so they they beat this down so we've been conditioned to be soft and meek and mild and quiet and not challenge that which is so wrong whether it be the vax or all these other things that are so clearly not being handled right they want us docile so um, we've been conditioned not to stand up and say no. So there's a lack of moral courage in this world. And that's why people, although short in physical stature, I am a, a huge fan of, of Dr. Judith Reisman. She's maybe five foot tall. She's eighty. What? She's 86 years old now. And bless her heart, she is on fire. She's a fireball. She's a dynamo. She's been dogging sadomasochistic pedophile Alfred Kinsey and his falsified studies for over 50 years. That's bold moral courage. She's a professor at Liberty University, and she does studies and, and, and talks all over the world. She's very powerful. She's very well-educated and researched, and she's very careful and highly respected. So she's a powerful dynamo, and she speaks the dang truth, man, and she doesn't care if it's popular. You know and she's a champion for children that guys is a warrior there's yeah. you know most of us you know i spent time in the marine corps and seal team we think of a warrior as as a big muscular man with with armor and weapons and stuff and in this day and age really uh, speaking our voice man and standing up and having moral courage and saying that what you're doing to the children is wrong. That what you're in, injecting into people and killing them and destroying their health and destroying their brains for profit is wrong. You know, they don't want that. You guys were talking about censorship. I got kicked off of LinkedIn and Twitter for the COVID first basically stating COVID facts. Yeah. One was a a CDC statistic that 90% of their previously announced cases or deaths were not actually COVID-only deaths. I posted that. LinkedIn deleted my account. No questions asked. They would not reverse it. Yeah. Instagram, I had 130,000 followers there. I posted the article that showed that um, Hank Aaron died two weeks after taking the COVID vax. Boom, account gone. So they are even, they're more se- hypersensitive about this COVID game, you know, and how they're how they need people to perceive that than they are even the child trafficking, which is curious to me because I know child trafficking is the string that ties together all of the different forms of corruption and and the power struggle. But the COVID thing is that's their hot ticket right now. That's their control mechanism. So if you threaten that, boom, they just turn you right off. So it's interesting to see where their hot buttons are. Absolutely. Well, and
4: in the child trafficking, how it's kind of tied to Q. So when people hear Q, they automatically go to that, you're a crazy person. So they kind of have that all tied in to make it seem like that. Yeah, yeah it's perfect. Yeah.
1: On on Twitter, they they ban you. But if you share child porn, they leave your account alone. It's I mean, there's still child porn. Chr- uh, Chrissy Mayer, who is a, a regular on these shows, I mean, she's exposed it quite a few times where she will share the links and and nobody will uh you know nobody bans these accounts they're not flagged you see comments uh under the you know her her post where people will say I've already reported this I've reported this I've reported this why is this still up I've reported it but yet you know God forbid you have a different opinion you're t- that's too dangerous that's what you know their priority should be it should be yeah. people with opinions not child child porn. So I mean this is a huge issue. We talked about actually when, when Memory Hold was on and actually when Craig, when you were also on the Ripple Effect podcast, we talked about that documentary Tickled, which is another really weird story of this journalist who was just kind of found this website where like kids were getting tickled and I think they were college kids or or something like that. And uh and they just needed some money. So they did it. Hey, we're gonna tickle you. We'll put the video online. or or no we're just or the video won't be online i believe that's what they told them and we're going to tickle you and then next thing you know um they're like hey you know what do you mean you want to stop doing this if you stop doing this we're going to put this video everywhere you're going to be humiliated they're basically back blackmailing these these kids who just wanted some money and like okay well i'm in college and broke why not and then the the filmmaker as he tries to uncover this he starts getting death threats and all this other stuff so this stuff is deep it's not like like craig said it's not just one organization it's not just one group of people i mean this stuff is everywhere i mean you look at jimmy seville in in the uk i mean this guy was friends with the royal family this guy you know and that's the other thing like like craig said you have to be weary of these people being anywhere they don't always look like creeps they You know, you look at Penn State, you look at like all these cover-ups. I mean, a lot of times they could be just coaches. They could be people who have organizations that help children. Why? Because it's easier to get to them that way. So that's the other thing. You have to be really careful. I mean, Dennis Haster, wasn't he like a wrestling coach or something like that? And that's where a lot of the accusations came from uh, previously. So it's just one of those things where sometimes the friendliest of people you're like, oh, there's no way this guy has an organization to help kids. There's no way that this yeah. kid, this person could be a threat. Well, actually, that's a part of the plan. Sometimes it's like, let me use this organization. Let me use this this as uh, making me look like I'm uh, I'm a safe place and I'm for the kids. Uh, so it's really creepy and dark. And and like Memory Hold said, it, it's one of those things where I feel like it's so dark that it, it's people would rather not believe that evil like that exists. And 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 I think that's kind of the pushback. Why some people don't want to go down these rabbit holes because it is, it
2: is. They feel like if they know about it, then they're going to be expected to do something, and not everybody's willing.
7: You know, tie a lot of that together. If I could jump in, Um, they just finished up the Clown and the Candyman, Uh, and this is a podcast series that really talks about uh, the network uh, that worked in the '70s and '80s and how they got these children. And one of the things that two of the detectives working on this case, which talks about an original boys' island. This talks about, again, helping underprivileged kids. This gets into John Wayne Gacy, uh, a guy named Dean Carroll. Okay, But what was really interesting is when they were talking about a guy named Richard Lang, who was actually distributing child pornography, also connected to this uh, uh, island. We're talking about bodies of kids. It's an insane story. But when uh, they're talking to the detectives, they say, look, pedophiles, they look like anybody. There is no one look for these people. Um, They can and will be anybody you don't expect. And Lang himself, they suspected of being CIA because he had uh, the credentials of being a general in the Navy, in the Army, and in the Marines, which, of course, is an impossibility. And this is the guy when they busted him. I mean, you've got to listen to this. It's free. It's on Investigation Discovery. Clown of the Candyman, but he was, I believe, raping a four and a five-year-old and filming it. And many of these people served no jail time. You know, this only exacerbates the fact that uh, these networks did exist during the Franklin scandal. Those reports were realities that the Finders is a real thing, that people need to look into intelligence connections. I mean, you go all the way back to MKUltra and them running brothels on the east and west Coast. Uh, both in California and New York City. And of course they were using underage prostitutes there. Of course they were. You know, there's the new book, Chaos, with Manson, where they talk about his connections to the FBI and, of course, to the CIA. And what did he have? A harem of young girls, underage girls. This is a long time running. Uh, Again, I'm going to say it again. Clown and the Candyman. They talk about the Boy Scouts. They talk about the Catholic Church. It's an eight-part series. Um, It is hard to listen to at times. Uh, But you find out that, you know, this Jeffrey Epstein model uh, is not a new one, and it's one that's been used for a long time.
8: You can go back to North. Jason, first of all, I just want to say that I'm glad you brought up that series. I saw a commercial for it recently, and I was astonished that they brought up those connections. That is the last thing I expected to see um, affiliated at all with any type of mainstream coverage. And you're right through the Franklin scandal and onward, whether it be different serial killers such as John Wayne Gacy, there's a lot of connections that lead back to more organized crime rates. You can think about North Fox Island. We've called it the Epstein template. You can consider Peter Nygaard being more of a contemporary example of that, right? Like uh, private islands. Uh, you know, mainstream media figure in the sense of like a fashion mogul, uh, ancient mind civilization. He modeled his island after, which is arguably, you can use your imagination as to why you might like that civilization as a model. Um, But this has been going on for a very long time. The Franklin Scandal book is the only book I've ever had to put down um, briefly uh, just because of how disgusting it is. But the worst part about it is how casual these individuals. It's a le- I'm, I'm almost convinced, and I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong here, trust me, um, and I could very well be wrong, but it's almost as if it's a lifestyle to to certain individuals that are inundated and raised in a echelon of society that is so far above uh, what we are accustomed to, multi-generational wealth, um, that it is a reality to them. Um, otherwise, what we consider to be just the 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 most evil thing that you could ever imagine. And people really don't understand. I, and you mentioned the finders earlier. I mean, the McMartin preschool, the tunnel excavations, that was kind of the entire thing the trial was running on. And it was only until, uh, you know, there was the initial excavators that discovered the tunnels, but that was suppressed initially. Uh, then you got the FBI releasing the documents in 2019 and lo and behold there's two pages with the entire schematics of the tunnels you got the pentagrams under there and whatever part satanism plays in this whether it's literally ideological driven or if it's a smoke screen to make children's testimony seem that much more unbelievable i'm not sure um but i'm just glad you brought up that that segment about the uh, john wayne gacy because it, it's like a slow drip of truth is coming out. This is something that would have never, ever, ever been addressed 10 years ago, even. When you, you can, I mean, serial killers, uh, there's kind of a trend in, in, in young 20-somethings 20 20 20 people that are very interested in serial killers and they are very interesting to me. And it's bizarre that I didn't even detect this deeper meaning, deep, until meaning until 2017.
6: I've, I just want to say something. I've had on a bunch of SRA survivors, okay? I also know what happened on Epstein Island better than most because I lived in LA for 15 years and I know a lot of people who were on that island. It is far worse than people think what was going on there. And it's been going on all over. I had, I've had on a couple SRA survivors, but after I have on somebody, and yes, a lot of them grew up in tremendous wealth. They grew up in, inner, in, in families that marry within each other. This bloodline thing is not a conspiracy, it's real. And the stories are horrific, but they're all very similar. This is these are ritualistic abuse that happened to these kids. And I just had one on the other day. She's 65 years old, stage four cancer. And she didn't want to die without telling her story because she knows that there's so many satanic ritual abuse survivors out there who aren't believed. And um, you know, the lies of the what what Netflix did with, with the Epstein. Yes. Uh, thing they put out was really whitewash what was really going on there and uh, and what's going what happened in Haiti and what happened on all these islands and uh, these SRA survivors, there's millions of them and they a lot of them, their brains were shattered as kids. Those schools that Nexium was running, they, they seem to have gotten away with it. I am telling you, it's not only real and it's evil, and and like I talk a lot about, and I know I think Charlie's talked about it. This whole loosest trust, this satanic underpinning thing of these people's lives is real, and it's real yeah. to them, and they keep it going. And even in this movie I, I saw with Jim, um, this this great movie, The Sound of Freedom. What they did, these guys, is they set up an island like Epstein Island, and they uh, made it for elites. They, they knew the pedophiles, they, it was gonna be $100,000 per person to be a member of this island that was a pedophile island. And they set the whole thing up and I saw exactly how Epstein Island must've worked. And then they got the big traffickers to bring the kids to the island in a boat. And that's how they did the sting and, and this sting really happened, but you know, there, there's a whole travel industry involved in this. But the satanic stuff is real, and it is prevalent, and uh, it is really sad, these people really, it's very hard to recover, and all of them only, I swear, I agree with Greg, uh, Craig, I've only heard it come through God and Jesus, but uh, after I do a show, which most people won't, and I get really attacked, like spiritually, I feel like, for real, when I have one of these people on, uh because this woman her father is is illuminati i mean everything she tells me it's it's straight out of the book like and she went after he died she found all this stuff in his house that was all nazi and just just crazy stuff her story and then i met another one same exact story they don't know each other and nobody believed them and you know epstein island had a temple not by accident as did a lot of these islands yeah so what i'm saying is Um, that's another reason people don't want to talk about it because the level of evil that we're talking about is on the surface, but there's another level and the child trafficking, there's a huge, huge travel industry involved there too. And that's why they do know, but it is, it is the reason that the, the elite ones that we're talking about, they've just gotten away with it for so long, but it is a lifestyle and, and these people are born into it. And I always say, and I've talked about it with this woman and another survivor I had on. You know there is free will and a lot of these people when they are caught and you know they say well i was abused well exactly they had a choice they have free will they they could do the right thing and unfortunately on epstein island many people did not do the right thing and whether they participated or not uh they're they're guilty and um that's that's going to i believe come out but if you were if you're participating in this in this disgusting trade with these children and stealing their lives you, you deserve to have yours taken and when uh, jim was talking about how hollywood wouldn't touch this movie and stuff even with him and other real big people behind it um he said that the biggest problem probably was that um they don't want themselves exposed they they right. just don't and and you know, and they're going to hide it and they're going to keep it and they're going to uh, bury it. And if people like us don't talk about it, then it's just going to keep going on. And the truth is, it has to be taken out by the core or just like the Nazis reinventing themselves as the U.N., then in my opinion, like, you know, then they're just going to they're going to go away for a little while. And before you know it, they'll be popping up again all over the world,
8: you know, yeah. and, and
6: that's where they all connect.
8: I'm glad you brought up earlier the sanitization of these stories. The Epstein story is not just some creepy old man preying on little girls for massages. This is systemic. It's institutionalized. These people have islands. They're in close proximity to each other. They have self-sufficient travel between the islands. For God's sakes, we have the Laura Sillsby story from Haiti. Little St. James is a stone's throw away from Haiti. Where's Richard Branson's island? Well, Richard Branson publicly promoted Ghislaine Maxwell's Terramar while also hosting Nexium on his island Allison Mack arrested for child trafficking what was the news covering adult women also equally as evil but you've got where you've got her arrested for child trafficking where are the children where is rainbow cultural gardens as you said in Mexico and there's also other increased interest in Mexico in other trafficking stories this is Uh, sanitized to the extreme, Harvey Weinstein. There's testimony out there of Jean-Luc Brunel and a victim saying Harvey Weinstein was receiving massages from Epstein's sex slaves. And in fact, Epstein apparently called him a pig, right? Weird warped moral compass because Harvey tried to force himself on one of these sex slaves. This is a crime syndicate that in my opinion from my research is it seems to be connected. And here's the thing, I wouldn't be caught dead yeah, just a mile away, just any connection. For, you can look into me and you will, won't find a sexual predator within a fucking 100 miles from me. And yet these people seem to be a stone's toss away. Why is it that I can look up James Aliphantus? Let me look into this wacky Pizzagate thing. What's this that everyone's talking about? And you find him tagging someone that's listed in the Dutro ex dossiers. What are the chances now? Does that prove will that stand up in court? No, but did I ever say it would? I'm just simply asking all the polite viewers out there ask yourselves how many coincidences are you willing to be comfortable yeah, with before shit. there is a duty you have to begin to take yes. on?
11: You, you coincidence
4: know? theorist? <laughs> <When's that> theorist? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs>
11: Um, I got a question for you, Craig. So, um, you know, we we talked a little bit about COVID, the COVID correlation. You know, we, people throw out this number and, you know, it's, p- people have conflicting numbers, but 800,000 kids are reported missing every year in America, something like that, right? You know, I've seen, heard different uh, numbers, but then, you know, 2020, 400,000 people allegedly, very much allegedly died of COVID, right? So, you know, what are we doing here? Why are we letting people run around with masks on and their kids running around with masks on? It seems like that's the real crisis right there. Um, but I was wondering, you know, you've been doing this since before COVID, and I was wondering if you've noticed any change in the methods and tactics of these traffickers since COVID. Um, you, know, what, you know, society has fundamentally shifted in so many ways. And I was just wondering if that has uh, translated in how they run their operations at all.
2: Yeah, well, the predators are having a field day because the kids are not in school and they are much more vulnerable. Uh, you know, they're much safer, actually, a lot of them in the classroom where the teachers have an eye on them, and they're on a controlled facility where there's scrutiny. And uh, when they're at home, a lot of times they're they're online, they're on the computers, and the predators are interacting with them and setting them up. And I want to say this one thing real quick, but I meant to say this no matter what before I got off. And Because our society now, everybody wants to try to justify whatever they want, right? So people will come at you saying, oh, it's just a sexual preference, you know, raping the little children. My wife says, if if you're taking a diaper off of an infant to rape it, something is very, very sick and very wrong with you. But here's the bottom line. A child's brain uh, is not fully developed until, and this is science. 23 to 25 years of age now, the outer outer cortex and frontal lobe. That's the more sophisticated, problem-solving portion of our brains. So a child is not armed. They are not capable of advocating for themselves against a full-grown predatory adult that is after what he's after. And so the line has to draw, draw there. So if, if the people that want to justify child rape are... If they're if they just morally bankrupt, they have no no morals, no ethics, just come at them with science. You know, one side likes to say, well, that's science. Well, then you can use this back at them and say, it's science. The brain is not developed yet. They cannot advocate for themselves. We understand that, so we have to advocate for them. We have to defend the children until they're of age to make their own decisions. So, man, that's the bottom line, guys, and I appreciate everybody that circles around the children because uh, they're worthy. Or I,
3: I agree completely. I'm in it to protect brains 100%. Um, we have to stop putting the toxins into our kids and pregnant women. Absolutely. It, it just plays into a future that none of us want. And uh, to motivate society, to get on board, to stand up to the predators, the pharmaceutical predators, as well as the pedophilia predators. Uh, just remember, it's in your own best interest to have your future neurosurgeon, have a good brain. Your heart, future heart surgeon, to have a good brain. The person you your kids are going to get into the Uber with when they're 30 years old, to have a good brain. It, we need good brains. This world is screwy enough as it is that our children are, need good brains to solve the problems that we can't even imagine yet. So we owe it to them. We owe it to ourselves. And thank you, Ruki, and thank you, Mike, and everybody.
1: Thanks, guys. Anybody, anybody have any any other lasting words? If you guys want to plug yourselves, if we can go get through it pretty quickly.
10: I, I would, would love to ask um, if there's any ideas, and I'm sorry if we already addressed this, but why I seem to, when I look at numbers, see that Germany and the U.S. have the highest rates of missing children, whereas, you know, countries that have way higher populations like India have less, not just per capita, but less and so you know is that just because we're um more satanic or you know just, do you have any ideas about why Not, that might be
12: I, I think that's because the the numbers might be cooked
6: <laughs> i don't think germany and the u.s i do a lot of research on this i don't think germany and u.s have the highest numbers um there was just a, a thing ca- that came out you can look online right before Ma- mike pompeo left he put out a, a a big report in uh trafficking of children and uh we're not in the top there it's it's way worse in other i mean indonesia is terrible Myanmar, like i said haiti Mm -hmm. i mean if you're talking about we have the most people so maybe but in terms of the percentage of children the netherlands is by awful like it's this is a worldwide thing i don't i i don't think the numbers in america I, i i honestly i don't think It's, it's comparable. I think it's in general across the board. It's just the bigger nations have more numbers, but it doesn't make it less. Uh, This is a, this is a really, really horrible situation and it's worldwide. Um, It's, oh, it's worth giving a a look to um, Mike Pompeo's last trafficking in children report uh, because it's, it breaks it down into tears and and it's really horrific. Uh, I just think maybe wherever you're looking, they're judging it because we have so many people, and Germany has so many people. But there's places where, like, literally uh, 70% of the kids are either, like, trafficked or child labor or, like, just horrible stuff. And a lot of times, sadly enough, there's a central bank there and all the uh, usual NGOs and, and government players that happen to have also ended up on that island or that nation, you know, Somalia, all over the world. It's It's... You really can't quantify because, you know, in a, a nation like Myanmar, that there's 60 million people, you know, what eight million people are in slavery, and a lot of them are children. So,
1: but that's not the biggest, Craig. You actually, you you hit on this, uh, I think, when you're on my show and even in the documentary. It is a much bigger issue in America than people think, because I think a lot of people do believe, like, oh, it's overseas; it's not an issue here. But, but that's actually incorrect right it, it's it is a huge issue oh right? yeah yeah if
2: you just yeah. realize it's it, generally speaking it's a larger source of revenue than all of pro sports combined that'll give you the the idea of the scale
14: yeah
6: wow. well i'm in new york city i think i told you ricky on your show i was in line outside because for some reason we still have to be outside all the time and a guy behind me was freaking out he was like in his 70s and i, I turned around and i was, he doesn't know me that i do this for life And it's my calling, I think, right now is trying to figure out how to help these kids. But um, and he said, uh, he said they're running a child trafficking ring out of my building on Forty Sixth Street. And I said, are you? I go, no way. And he said, yeah. He said I just told NYPD, and they said there's nothing they could do. He said during COVID, these people came in and bought his building, and now, and he goes, and they're not, they're not women, they're girls. And I, he was distraught and and I'm like, oh my God. And he was really coming back from the NYPD. He went down there and told them and they said, there's nothing they can do. And this all happened during COVID. Somebody bought the building and now there's a lot of Asian little girls around. And he said that there's businessmen coming there and he's tried to do anything and the NYPD won't touch it. So, you know, it's everywhere and, and everywhere literally blocks from me. And this guy, I've seen him twice since. And he's like, I don't, he's like, I gotta move. He's like, I can't know that he's doing anything. And every day I wake up and I and I just say, I don't, I, I'm so sorry. And I, I know, but. It'd be I
3: nice think, if we wow. could hire a private investigator to take those photographs. Right.
8: Yeah, for real. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. something that someone could get to the bottom. Of. I think there's also a, a reason that these individuals might get into orphanages and adoption agencies. We could be looking at falsified paperwork or no paperwork at all as well, which would therein affect the numbers. Um, I'm not going to say that that's maybe the majority of it, um however, I imagine <clears throat> excuse me that that plays a role. there's probably you know you heard this with John of God in Brazil that he he very well could have been uh, a farmer but but not of anything that you could um you know eat healthily um of children. And it's, it's just terrible. You could be looking at people that aren't even on paper. They, there's no one that will miss them because they are bred uh, for the job. Is that the majority? I, I'm not going to go ahead and, and speculate about that, but the very existence of that aspect of it is very concerning. And that's another one. I don't think people even consider now I can be off about that. I always joke that, you know, if I'm wrong, I will be relieved. So please, someone please blow that out of the water for me. Uh, but I've seen it pop up over and over and over again you got the Paul Peterson case human smuggling from the Marshall Islands um you've got John of God you've got uh, uh even even um Jeff Kasky you know he he's uh two steps disconnected from from Silsby in that connection but point is is that there's there's interesting ways to circumvent the the primary process of, of abduction and um hurting children that are already on paper in existence so all I know is, is that it's a huge, huge issue, regardless of how much are on paper or are not. So I just wanted to kind of add that in there. And with COVID, I last thing I'll add, um, not last take up to the floor here. Yeah, last thing, right? That's what I always say is... Um, uh, with COVID, it's interesting how they're willing to say that during COVID, there's parents. There's you can actually art, uh, uh, look this up and read the mainstream news articles. I did a documentary about this from social media exploitation of children. Was talking about it was actually focusing on the parents of children in modeling agencies, and they were talking about the exponential skyrocketing of individuals trying to contact their children. And more specifically, they were using coded language in order to do so. Now, that is something that you might put in the realm of conspiracy theory, right? So if you look up coded language, uh, you're going to get debunked Pizzagate, Chewanon schizo conspiracy theories, right? Time to ignore it. Let's swipe that to the side. The fact remains, if you are operating on social media as a pedophile, you will be using coded language. Coded language is used for less. Um, so I don't see a reason why it wouldn't be used for something as humongous and as dangerous, right, if you're in the criminal mindset as pedophilia. So I just wanted to add those two cents in here at the end.
3: Can I just briefly address this idea of the power that the word conspiracy theory has? Oh, my goodness. Whenever somebody does this and they say, oh, it's going to be conspiracy theory, remember, the American Revolution was a conspiracy. You're right. Exactly. It's all you have to remember.
0: Well, I'm going to go around the uh, the Zoom call here, and when I say your name, give it a URL, and uh, we'll move it along so everyone can plug their their URL website or podcast. So, Ricky, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I I, I
0: host a show called The Union of the Unwanted.
1: Uh, you guys might have heard of it. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Ripple Effect Podcast. Uh, yeah, Ripple Effect Podcast. You can get that through RippleEffectPodcast.com and anywhere you can get podcasts. Jason
7: Burmes. Well, I tell you to go to my YouTube, but I'm probably going to get kicked off for good. I'll say this: uh, look for the Wall Street Journal article. Either it's going to be a huge hit piece, or maybe they're going to address some of these issues. I highly doubt it. For now, rockfin.com slash Jason Burmes. My next month is completely free. Make the free account. It is what is uh, revolutionizing the industry of free speech and allowing people like me to
5: financially survive. Charlie. I am one of the co-hosts of the Union of the Unwanted. I am also the host of Macroaggressions Podcast. And you can find me on Rockfin as well. I will have to uh, back up what Jason said. Also, my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. James.
3: So you can go to jameslyonsweiler.com. You can go to ipaknowledge.org. Or you can find me at WWDNYK studios. That stands for What We Do Not Yet Know. W-W-D-N-Y-K. Ken.
0: You're muted, Ken. We love you, but you're muted, buddy.
4: (laughs) Sorry, man. A couple high-lifes in, you know, feeling good. But uh, (laughs) I am uh, Ken from the podcast, The Black Pill. We are on YouTube as Black Pill Radio, and we are also on Rockfin. So check us out, man. Cool.
0: Grimerica.
2: Uh, you can check out grimerica.ca for topics a lot lighter than this kind of stuff. Or you can te- check out grimericaoutlawed.ca for topics that are just like this kind of stuff. Uh, we're self-hosted and we go kind of hard there. Or you can find us on Rockfin as well with the rest of these guys. Mel
0: Kay.
6: Uh I am about to be kicked off YouTube again, too. So uh, but the, on YouTube, there's like 40 channels that aren't me, but there's one that is me. It's the Mel K Show. Uh, most of my sh- shows are on BitChute, uh, Mel K Show, and the com, And I'm on uh, uh, Steel Truth with Ann Vinder Steel every Thursday.
0: Awesome. Hey, Truthzilla.
11: All right. Well, I'm Scott. This is Ed, our third. Megan couldn't make it tonight, but she'll be back soon. Um, we uh, are on Rockfin as well, Rockfin rockfin.com slash Truthzilla. and uh, any of your podcast players. And if we disappear, we're at Truezilla.org. So thank you so much, guys, for
0: letting us come on again. Rogue Ways.
10: Uh, what's up? I'm Lindsay Sharman. I'm on Rogue Ways, which is on every podcast app on YouTube for now. And I have just joined the Rockfin family with all these badasses with my new show, Middle Path, which is every Thursday. So hopefully people check that out. And you can also go to rogueways.org uh, if you want to check out all the other stuff I do. Thank you.
2: Craig Sawyer. All right. Our org's website is vetsforchildrescue.org. And our documentary website is ContralandMovie.com.
0: Memory hold.
8: I am on uh, my second YouTube account, just uh, got nuked back in October, and I'm strike number two, just released a. Pizza for Your Family, part two on YouTube. But you can check out YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, Library, DLive, all of those websites under Memory Hold. Um, also check out Math- Mouthy Buddha's work, Elite Human Trafficking, Volumes 1 and Volume 2. I've assisted with the research on there. And um, I'm also going to be collaborating with a uh, Dauntless Dialogues here in the future. So if you wouldn't mind checking out his work too, I think uh, we all make a pretty good team. So that's where you can find me.
14: Very cool. Uh, Joe. How's it going? Sorry I came in late. I just yeah. got off work. But uh, if you want to catch our show, it's legit that Podcast on Instagram and wherever you get your uh, podcasts. podcast. We're not kicked off of anything yet, but we're waiting for it. So <laughs> and
0: uh, Matthew Raymer. Yeah, contentsafe.co.
12: All you guys that are worried about deplatforming, we provide services to help content creators uh replatform to a wide variety of media platforms, as well as aiding them in their workflow. For all of you folks who are really tired of how hard it is to upload to Bitshoot, we do it automatically for,
1: for you. It, it very blows cool. my mind that all the stuff we talked about gets all of us in trouble on YouTube. Like yeah. we should be praised for bringing up these important topics <laughs> and having these important conversations. Instead were being
0: censored, this channel is not going to be around for much longer, but we'll see what happens.
4: Most <laughs> <laughs> of our accounts are trying to see if you can find different. it on YouTube.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll be back in two weeks. Yep, we'll be back
1: in two weeks, guys. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I truly believe that this show you. Is, is very important. Thanks,
3: everyone. It's really great to meet you all. And we'll be back, I'm sure. Thanks see again, you. guys.
0: Take care, everyone. Thanks, Thank again. you. Have a great night, everybody. See ya.
5: God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Great job.